Welcome to the Screamcast, episode 135. I am Sean DeRager, and with me is Brad Henderson. Again, I feel like we've been on 135 for 20 episodes. <laughs> Can we BG get out Clint. of the 130s? I mean, I don't know. We will soon. Five more episodes, we'll be out. Well, I don't believe it. BJ Colangelo is making some goddamn movie that all you assholes paid for. So it's all your fault. She can't join us. <laughs> Losers. <laughs> Give it your she money is people. balls deep in pre-production for Powerbomb. And they're going to be they recording... They name to Bomb Power. Bomb Power. Uh, they are going to be doing some photography... Uh, Starting principal tar- photography soon. They're in pre-production right now, so we are super excited for. It. So yeah. that's what's going on with BJ. Uh, Fetsy. But today we have a very special guest joining us. Director of Pool Party Massacre is mm. Drew Marvick. What's up, man? Hello. Thank you so much for uh, for hanging out. I thought we were just gonna do like a little bullshit interview, but you're you're in it for the long haul. You're gonna hang out on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That's what I, that's that's what I was told at least. Right, right. <laughs> it's another lie. <laughs> oh man. So uh basically what we're gonna do here for the next two hours is just rip your movie apart. Two and, hours. Um, Jesus Christ. If we if you don't leave crying, uh we haven't done our job. Well, I'm just kidding, we fucking love the movie. <laughs> Who am I kidding? I, I a really uh, it was a really good setup, Sean. Yeah. So, Drew, welcome to the Screamcast. Thank you so much. By the way, I could spend two hours ripping it apart if you really wanted to. <laughs> like, you're you're an artist. Uh, that's what most artists do: is they birth something in the world and then they rip it to shreds and wish they would have done things differently. Kind yeah. of, you know, the same thing with parents. You bring a child in the. No, I'm just kidding. Here we go. Whoa, whoa! This is this is my weekly Anthony therapy shit. session. <laughs> oh, I was probably too soon. I'm sorry. We'll be talking about Pool Party Massacre in depth uh, in a little bit. Mm. But first, let's find out what's on our doorstep. Holy cow. I almost forgot. We'll get the door. I want to know what's on Drew's doorstep. Drew, what have you watched lately that's badass? Oh, God. You guys actually watch movies too? <laughs> I Try just, to. I thought you Barely. just talked about them. <laughs> Barely. I haven't had, I haven't what we do is we read Wikipedia and then we talk about. We basically read the Wikipedia entry. <coughs> Sean. Yeah, that's what I figured. I've noticed. <laughs> I've noticed that. <laughs> uh, I I have had a ton on my doorstep, but I haven't had any time to watch anything. Ooh. I have a gigantic stack. Of, well, I still have a stack of movies from Orlando, or from Tampa, I should say, from Grindhouse Video that's so ridiculously tall, and I haven't opened <laughs> a single one of them. Ooh. What did you pick Damn. up, at least? I picked up the house set. Yeah. The house one and two set, which I'm dying to watch. I picked up Dream Stalker from Intervision. Oh, dude, that's yeah. so good. Yeah, That's what I've heard. Mine's still sealed. Um, I picked up a copy of Just Before Dawn, mm. be- because specifically because um, a random fan of Pool Party Massacre sent me an email telling me that I should remake it, <laughs> and and I could barely remember seeing it, so I so I bought it. He also went into detail about how I should kill everyone, 
in the sequel of Pool Party Massacre. But (laughs) I think that's a whole nother episode of the podcast. (laughs) Like literally extensive detail of what weapons I should use and what mask I should wear. So. Did this guy breathe heavy from from his mouth? <laughs> I, I don't know. There was just an email. Oh, but I thought it was the one in or Tampa. Where were we? Orlando? <laughs> Somewhere. He he might have been there. I mean, I wish I wish I knew who he was because then I would feel <laughs> safer speaking about him. <laughs> right now, I'm kind of nervous that I even brought it up. <laughs> uh, so I apologize if you're listening. He's not. Uh, okay. <laughs> but I, I also Get got the, the Phantasm collection. Mm. And You're killing it, Drew. I did. I, I spent every dollar I made at um, at the convention <laughs> at Grindhouse Video. <laughs> um, I got American Guinea Pig Bloodshock. Okay. And uh, the last thing I got was uh, Frames of Fear from SRS. Yeah, they're doing some uh, cool work over there at SRS. It's too bad they don't have, like, a bigger, like, they distribute more because they only, like, make, like, 50 or 100 copies of their shit, and then they close it down. But, yeah, I don't know exactly what Ron is doing. Yeah, I mean, I've, I have a few of, like, I have gore horror and stuff like that, but, like, it seems that, um, yeah, they, they limit so much. I mean, I understand its cost, and I don't know if it's really, like, that... You know, people are hounding for those titles, especially some shot on video stuff from the, you know, fucking late 90s. Um, but anyways, yeah, they, they do some good work. They've done some Blu-rays too. Um, but uh, yeah. Sweet. And that's all, that's mm. all I, oh, Lloyd Kaufman convinced me to buy a banana motherfucker on my way out of the <laughs> convention too, but I, I haven't watched that yet either. Wait, oh, so God. did they make a movie out of Banana Motherfucker, or is it just the trailer? Well, I have a DVD, so I hope it's not just the trailer. It's like Knowing the Hardware <laughs> Wars thing, where like there's that Hardware Wars old you know trailer, and it's, it's always released in special edition DVDs, and it's like two minutes long. Yeah, <laughs> no, knowing the Lloyd Kaufman, well, yeah, <laughs> it's just the trailer. It, it it does say that the runtime is fifty minutes, huh? I didn't know okay. they made Banana Motherfucker into a movie. Yeah. I mean, I remember when that trailer hit, and I was fucking, like, fucking laughing hysterically. But I didn't know they made that into, like, a somewhat feature. Well, they did. Oh. I'm going to have to look at that and watch it. Me too. Me too. Maybe, <laughs> maybe get down and dirty. Nice. Well, what's on your doorstep? Mm. All right. I'll, I'll go quickly, Brad, because mine's quick. And then you can have the. If floor you talk about the fucking Da Vinci Code, I swear to fucking God, hour. I'm not going to talk about the Da Vinci Code. I don't the Da Vinci Code. I've I've watched that. I'm done. I've watched the entire trilogy, and, and I'm done with that. Um, I'll never have to watch it again. Here we go. I do want to mention really quick. Uh, oh, you're going to be Da Vinci Code. No, no. Okay. There's Angels a, there's and a, Demons. There's a World War Two. I think it's World War Two film called Allied with uh, Brad Pitt and. Um, and uh, Marianne Cotillard, uh, directed by Robert Zemeckis. And it looks like this kind of bullshit romantic drama, but it's, uh, if you like World War II flicks, like it's actually pretty decent. I'm surprised at like the gore that uh, Robert Zemeckis does in this. 
It's probably his best movie since like Castaway. So just kind of throwing that out there. It's not necessarily a horror movie, horror movie, but there's some of the violence. I was actually really happy that he went, uh, he went pretty hardcore on it. So, uh, it's a really cool shootout during like a Nazi dinner party. Uh, it's pretty awesome. But, mm. um, if you're into that sort of thing, but I don't want to spend too much time on it. But, uh, you know, like I said, best Robert Zemeckis flick in, in a long time. And, uh, that's all I got to say about that. Moving along, though, uh, Jackson Stewart directed a film called Beyond the Gates and uh, stars, of course, Barbara Crampton is in it, starring uh, Graham Skipper, Chase Williamson, and the lovely uh, Brea Grant. This is a film, horror film, about uh, kind of uh, these guys find a VHS board game, horror board game, and they decide to play it. And I was a little bit disappointed by this film. Gonna be honest, mm. it with the premise is so great. I mean, you're thinking like a horror Jumanji, right? Type type flick, and I feel like it takes a forever to kind of get anywhere near there. There is some decent gore. There's one great uh, voodoo doll scene that I I really love, and I guffawed out loud. And but I didn't really like the lead actor, and uh, I, I kind of felt it felt a little stilted. I didn't. I don't know. It didn't. I mean, Graham I Skipper. Know. He looks like he's freaking constipated all the time. Yeah, Graham Skipper. Maybe he had a sorry. Poop. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of with you. I'm kind of with you. I mean, I love the cast and yeah. I love Jackson Stewart. Like, I love everything about it. Like, everything was in place. And I mean, I mean, we've had Bree on the show. I love you know Matt Mercer. I love Grand Skipper. But man, I'm the asshole. I'm the asshole. No, 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 no. I wasn't a fan of it either. It's just like I was really like that was one of more my most anticipated movies because I mean the VHS board game thing was so short lived, and I think yeah. I had I had Nightmare. I didn't have any of the other uh, VHS board games, so I mean, it was a really cool concept, and I just. I mean, it really did fall flat for me. I mean, but it doesn't suck. It's just very uneventful, I think. Yeah. It was, you know. You know. Uh, a lot of people are loving it. I mean, uh, yeah, it's getting a lot of Scarlata, love. I, am I pronouncing that right? I, I mean, he followed, we talk a lot on back and forth on Twitter and stuff. I mean, he's, you know, I, I like, I like him. I like everyone involved. Like, yeah, genuinely. I know. Yeah. And, that's uh, what I'm just saying. Just a little flat for me. Yeah, but, no, I'm the yeah. same way. I wasn't, I wasn't super on board with it, but the general consensus, people are digging it. It's on Netflix. Yeah. People are liking it. You know, that's what matters. I mean, watch if, it. If you're tell curious, us what you think. Yeah, if you're curious, uh, check it out. It's it's worth. Che- I think it's worth checking out if you think it's if you're curious about well, it. Fucking Barbara Crampton's in it. Of check course, it it's worth it. Yeah, it's and. Uh, Wait, it's Drew's finally. about to talk. Drew's about oh, to shit. talk. Oh shit, what? Drew, what's up? Oh, I you gotta just... click the raise your hand button. Oh Boop. my god. See, There's, hey, you guys have buttons. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I don't. I, don't, I never even use it. So you want me to? We go? just all talk over put, each other. You want me to put my ten year old son on for a little while? He's probably better at that. Raise your hand. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say that I, first. I saw Beyond the Gates. I, I actually kind of, I kind of dug it. I love everyone that's involved in it. I definitely think it's worth watching. But what I was gonna say is. When you picture a horror Jumanji, I think it's impossible to live up to that. Yeah, pro- yeah probably. And that's how I think <laughs> a lot of us went into it. And so I don't know how, especially a, a, an indie film, you know, a yeah. lower budgeted indie film could ever live up to the horror Jumanji that's in my <laughs> head as soon as I read the description of it. 
Right, right. I, I think a movie this you need to make. Things. Yeah, yeah. I, get the I have like a hundred and fifty dollars, <laughs> so it won't. It definitely won't live up to it. But I'll make it anyways. I don't care. Hey, shit. I, I think this is what I think this is one of those films that if I give it some distance and revisit it in a couple of years, I'll probably have a better opinion of it. I think, uh, you know, a lot of the times, especially in the horror community, uh, expectation. Uh, kind of ruins films for people, I think. And, uh, it, it's one of those things I've tried to train myself from doing, having too high of expectations for things. And, um, so that's why, like, you know, that's why I, I would never, like, trash it. Like, it's well made. I, it, it's, it does what it set, sets out to do. For me, it just didn't hit the notes, I guess I was expecting. But I would never tell anyone not to check it out or trash it because I think if you, like I said, if you find it, it interesting if you like you and if you're a Barbara Crampton fan, you're a fan of everyone, give it a shot. You might you might love it. But well, we don't trash things aside from Deepwater Horizon. Right. And Da Vinci Code. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> da Vinci Code. And speaking of trash of things and speaking of Matt Damon, uh I checked out the film Is that The a Great Team Wall. America reference? Yeah. You're watching uh, like directed- big blockbuster movies. What the fuck are you doing? This is it's directed by Yamao Zhang, who directed the film Hero and uh, oh gosh, what's the other film? Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I don't know. No, no, no. He didn't do Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I don't know. But uh, hold on, I'm looking it up. Uh, oh, House of Flying Daggers and Curse of the Golden Flower. So he's a favorite Japanese director of mine. I love all these films, uh, all his Japanese films. Curse of the Golden Flower is like, is fucking gorgeous. And um, House of Flying Daggers is a lot of fun and Hero is, is pretty damn good. So he did this, uh, film called The Great Wall, which, uh, he teamed up with, um, Matt Damon. Some American writers and Matt Damon, uh, to kind of do this film that takes place on the Great Wall and they basically need to, they're defending China from monsters. And Matt Damon <laughs> is a European who ends up there. Uh, he's with some dude from uh, oh, Game of shit. Thrones, and Willem Dafoe shows up in it. Oh man, but that movie sounds like a f- I, like I, I remember seeing the trailer now. Yeah. Oh god. It's, okay. It no. it's it's one of those no. Sunday Sunday afternoon films. If it's on cable, you might not turn it. I off. have better films I, to watch. I feel well. I, you know me, man. I'm. I'm. A, I love Japanese films, and especially I love this director. And I, I love even, monsters. I wouldn't even consider this a fucking so I was Japanese check it film. Out. This is fucking American-made bullshit. No, no. His in this director's influence is there in spades. When there, there's a lot of battle sequences. There's some really creative things. Like I feel like if they would have left the American, because this is a joint American and Chinese venture. If it was a or is it? He's. I've been saying Japanese. He's a Chinese. He's a Chinese director. I apologize. Um, Oof, oh man, Damn yeah, Jesus. my bad. Hey guys, we should start the whole thing over. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least I caught myself and didn't, uh, in, in editing, I would have found this. I would have been like, God damn it. And I would have felt awful. Uh, anyway, I feel like if this was strictly a Chinese production, it would have done better because I feel like the, European element kind of shoved in just doesn't feel right. And having Matt, Matt Damon is trying, Matt Damon's like trying some sort of accent. I don't know if it's like Scottish or she's trying something, but they kind of, their scenes kind of drag everything to the halt. 
the monster stuff is fun. The battle stuff is fun. The, the, they do like a color coded army. It's, it's, it's really cool, really creative. So, uh, anyway, if this is ever, you know, you're, no. you want to check something out, be a little different, I would check it out. It, uh, I had fun with it, but I can see the criticisms of it. Uh. But like I said, the, the Chinese element of it, the design is, uh, is, is pretty cool. But that's all I got. I feel like I never even heard of that movie. Yeah, I remember like it's, seeing the trailer for it, but then it's better than the trailers make it out to be. No one fucking talked about it until yeah. now. So, and until the now, it's me carrying the torch. <laughs> Someone has actually <laughs> seen this movie. Yeah, I dug dude, a I, lot of it. I dug a lot uh, of, it. but you know me, I like the big budget action spectacle stuff, the fantasy stuff. I mean, this is, but you know, it's nothing. Yeah, I don't know. If you think you'd like it, you'll probably have fun with it. You know who you are. Who? If you feel like you're going to hate it, don't even bother. <laughs> All right, I will not bother because, you know, right. I, I was on my doorstep. I watched that. I texted you and I said you'd be proud of me. And I watched that fucking <laughs> Cowboys and Aliens. Flops. Or whatever it was. This What's is it called? This is like Cowboys and Aliens, but with a Chinese army and a, a ragtag squad of aliens European... or Cowboys and Aliens? It's Cowboys and Aliens. Yeah, that movie sucks. Um, <laughs> moving along. <laughs> Dude, like, oh my god, that movie sucks. I knew you'd hate bad. it. As soon as you said you were Christ. watching it, I was like, yeah, Brad's gonna hate this fucking thing. Uh, Alright. Um, <laughs> so, uh, first up, um, I watched a motorcycle a gang movie called uh, All Hell Breaks Loose, um, directed by Jeremy Garner, not Gardner from The Battery, but Jeremy Garner. It was written by The Vocabularist, which is apparently J.C. Morris, which I found out. Um, it is basically a uh, motorcycle gang from hell. Um, who comes out of hell and starts killing people. And it's uh, a gang called Satan Sinners. The film is set up kind of like a, uh, you know, throwback biker film, you know, with uh, digital uh, cigarette burns and wears and tears on the print, um, which I do enjoy sometimes, but when it's too digital, it doesn't look that great. Uh, sometimes films pull it off, sometimes they don't, you know, and speaking of throwbacks, I mean, we do have Drew Marvick on the show, which we will get into the kind of throwback, um, idea of Pool Party Massacre, but it's just, it, it's getting to the point where it has to be like, for example, you mentioned Beyond the Gates, Beyond the Gates does it kind of perfectly, you know, it, it flows with the film. It flows with what you're watching. Um, it doesn't really take you out of it. Um, All Hell Breaks Loose, there's a couple moments where it's like, you know, where there's like a CG effect or something like that. And you can just kind of tell it's digital, but you're still seeing the cigarette burns and shit like that. I don't know. It, it just, you just have to be careful with what you, you know, when you utilize that. I think it's to be aware that what you're doing, just not like, oh, let's throw some grain on it, make it look old. You know, that's not <laughs> kind of what it's for. It's, you know, it's a certain aesthetic. You want 
you know, you want your film to be in that mindset. And All Hell Breaks Loose, for the most part, is like that. It's very, very funny. Um, it's very bloody. Um, it has a great cast. There's somebody from, I guess, Jackass in it. I don't know who that was, but they advertised that. Um, knowing that I was, if it's not Johnny Knoxville, I don't know who the fuck anybody is on that show. Um, but, um, yeah, not Steve, all that bad. Steve, uh, Steve-O? Uh, oh, I know who that is, but that's not it. <laughs> no, okay. it was, I... it was like, uh, Danger Aaron. Oh, yeah. I... I have no idea who that is on the show. I mean, I have seen Jackass. I'm not saying I haven't watched the show, but honestly, I don't really mem- remember anybody other than, you know, well, I guess I forgot Steve-O, but Johnny Knoxville, mainly because he's the only one that went on to really do anything afterwards, it seems. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a fun, fun little flick, you know, kind of cool throwback. Um, if you like, you know, that kind of extreme indie, uh, horror films that mix in comedy, gore and action, it's definitely up there for you. It's a wild eye movie, by the way, I might say. So that means Sean, you won't like it. Um, <laughs> uh, next up was Exorcist the Fallen. Oh, um, yeah, you know, it, it's funny that there's like this barrage of Exorcist movies that come out where it's Exorcist then a subtitle. Like, we're supposed to be trying to trick the people into believing that there's another Exorcist film. I, I mean, I know it's not the filmmakers. It's obviously these companies that are picking up about films about exorcism or the devil or anything of that matter and trying to spin it on a uh, sequel basis to The Exorcist, which is fucking ridiculous. That's kind of what happened with this. This is originally called Victoria's Exorcism. Um, basically, it's about a girl that gets possessed. Um, kind of a standalone, you know, it's very standard, nothing, nothing special. Um, wasn't a fan of it, but what is really weird, and this is kind of just making fun of the film a little bit, is that in the film, you know, of course we have CGI fire, we have, you know, CGI water, which I understand if you have to have it rain, if you have to set a fire and you're an indie filmmaker, it's pretty tough. Like Pool Party Massacre, the entire pool is CGI, yeah. Um, <laughs> kidding, kidding. Um, but you know, when it's raining, you know, you have to do CGI and, you know, I, I get it. But there's certain things where to me, um, as making movies before, uh, the do's and do nots and just things that are very easy to come by. This film uses, like, I understand maybe gunshots, a beheading, a head blowing up, maybe some special, you know, some touch up with, you know, CGI or whatever. But when people are just bleeding or they have blood coming out of their mouth, I don't really think there's a need for CGI. <laughs> and this film constantly no. does it to the point where the the demonic Victoria is like bent down on the floor, like eating away at somebody's guts. And it really looks like, and this is not an exaggeration, that they just shot it, and then in uh, post, they just took, like, went to paint, and then took, like, the red paintbrush, and just kind of circled around her hands. And you can just see it moving, like, very, like, it's just really weird. And then whenever she's looking around, 
they do it on her eyes as well. And I'm just like, of all the easiest, like, easy things to do as far as effects goes in movies, you can't do fucking some fucking blood? Or did you not, maybe it was too dark and they just didn't see it and they wanted it brighter? I don't know. But it's just. CJ blood is like the bane of my existence. It pisses me off. Right, but when it's super easy to apply and do, I really don't get it. Like, I, like, I understand your beef, but like, you know, squibs or something like that, it's like, uh, I mean, I really wish they would have went full throttle and, you know, Charlie's Angels 2 style and just had like, you know, blood spurting out of somebody. But, um, like, I get it. I understand. But when it comes to just showing blood on screen, I mean, come on, guys. I made a short for fucking $20, and I had better blood than that. Um, but anyways. Uh, well, in this movie's defense, if you look at the cover art, <laughs> you should know. <laughs> right, I'm, right. I'm but just I'm, saying. I'm always, I'm never, I hardly, here's the thing. I, I'm going to be a hypocrite because I just said no to Great Wall. But when it comes to usually <laughs> horror films, or independent, like, I, I usually say no to big budget movies, but if it comes to, you know, uh, in, indie, indie films, I will hardly ever, ever, ever say no. Ever. So when it comes across my desk or on my doorstep, I'll watch it. It doesn't bother me. Um, so next up, we have, uh, this, I remember watching this when I was younger. Um, I saw it maybe when I was 13 or 14, and this film was the shit to me. And it recently came out on Blu-ray from Epoch, uh, Cinema Epoch. Um, they put a Blu-ray out of it, so I was really happy that they did that. Um, but I picked up um, Private Lessons on, um, on Blu-ray. Oh, yeah. And I can't believe that this movie was actually made. I mean, the plot of this film is that there is a um, uh, a widowed man with a son who is 15, <clears throat> 15 years old, and um, the new housekeeper and the driver plan to embezzle money. Um, so they have this older lady, an adult, an adult, uh, seduce this 15-year-old boy. When I was 13 or 14, I thought this shit was hot shit because I wanted this shit to happen to me. <laughs> but as an, you know, an adult now, uh, 32 years old, watching this film was very awkward. I mean, we're not just talking about some, you know, like kiss on the cheeks, uh, you know, pat on the back, uh, wearing seductive, seductive clothing. We're talking about total fucking bang jobs. I mean, we're talking about... How does this compare about, to My Tutor? Uh, it's not even close, man. My Tutor's great. Um, okay. But th this is, you know... I mean, we have a kid watching the girl undress, and then we have him banging her down twice, uh, grabbing her little titties. I mean, we have... Uh, a, a bath sequence where she's like rubbing his chest and like jerking so him how's, off. How's this different from my tutor? Because my tutor is the same thing where a 29 year old tutor basically bangs her 15 or 16 year old. Uh, is it, student. is he 16? 
Well, he's a uh, he's a high school senior, so maybe he's seventeen. Okay. All okay. Right. Yeah, this dude's in. Older. This dude's in. Here's 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 a couple differences in my tutor, I guess. And okay. th- this isn't this isn't like be saying okay that one's fine, but this kid is fifteen in the film, but he looks twelve. He looks very very young. <laughs> he does not look fifteen, so that does play a bigger part in the the movie because okay. you can say somebody is fifteen, but then you can you know cast a, an adult. And it's not as bad, but when you cast a kid as a little kid, and he looks even younger than he actually supposed to be, then it gets a little weird. But my point Who's of, the kid like, is that Ma- is that Matthew Matthew Modine? No, dude. No, this Matthew dude Modine's is uh, this, right? Eric Brown. No, no, no. Oh. Matthew Modine. It's uh, I mean, Egg Begley Junior's in it. Um, but so my thing is, is like it's very awkward to watch as an adult. Um, I, 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 I oh, tried sorry, to like, I, I clicked on private school, not private lessons. <laughs> oh my Jesus Christ. This is why Wikipedia sorry. does not work. Um, <laughs> so the film was very controversial at the time. It actually did quite well at the box office. Um, but man, here's the thing though. And this is my main issue with it. And I not mean to get like all PC, um, but just switch the gender roles for a minute. This movie would oh, yeah. never, ever, ever, ever no. been written. Um, and so dudes, just, it's okay, bro. Right, and I, I mean, I have a feeling like you know, kids watching this back in the day, what did they grow up thinking? They're just gonna bang. It's easy to bang an older lady, and like, I mean, just switch the generals for a second. Have a twenty. I think she's like twenty nine or something. Uh, in the bath. I mean, watch fucking um little girl who lives down the lane, and look how awkward that is, or something like Lolita, that even just the sexual advances towards the younger girls is uncomfortable. But imagine full fledged tuck uh touching and you know getting down and dirty and boning. Total bang jobs, as you said. Yeah, bang jobs. (laughs) I mean, he's this guy is getting two total bang jobs. Um. Other than that, <laughs> the transfer is decent. Um, it's got a great, 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 great soundtrack. Um, it's uh, it's meant to be kind of a dark comedy. It does have some funny moments. Uh, John DeBont shot it, which is kind of odd. Um, <laughs> but hey, whatever. Um, but yeah, not 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 all that bad. Um, but definitely um, very awkward to watch. But I suggest it because there's not too many films like this. That's for sure. Um, and then um, Bad Santa Two. That movie fucking blue cock. That's all I gotta say. Um, I you know the thing is, and the reason why I watched it is because I'm not I'm not against the original Bad Santa film. Um, I found it somewhat enjoyable and very offensive and funny. Um, <laughs> here's a sequel that no one fucking asked for 15 years later. Who knows exactly why they made this movie just because they found out that Billy Bob Thornton is a real asshole in real life. So he's just, he's just playing Billy Bob Thornton. Um, but yeah, movie sucks, man. Um, and then, so deep water horizon and bad Santa too. Those are on my shit list. <laughs> um, and then, um, I mean, I know that we talked about CoverGirl in the last, last uh, episode of the 1940s, Rita Hayworth and Gene Kelly. But I got around to watching Young Girls of Rochefort. 
Do I need to create like an intro to your, your I think new, so, new segment on I, Brad watches uh, musicals? I I got it bad. To reiterate, I mean, this is from, a horror podcast. I mean, yeah. You know. To well, you talked about Great Wall and Alex. <laughs> um. So I guess that's more horror than Young Girls of Rochefort, though. <laughs> um. So to, to to reiterate my 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 history of musicals, um, I stayed away from them. I watched a, a maybe a couple here, like sporadically like the film sporadically like scenes um and i just was totally turned off by it my mom was obsessed like with with stage play musicals like cats and you know fan of the opera and stuff like that and i went to go see those and i fucking hated them so and i saw those when i was younger so i in my mind I I thought and it kind of like Wizard of Oz too. I was thinking that films would always those films would always be like that, like a stage play. Like fucking Wizard of Oz looks fucking terrible. It looks like a fucking stage play. Um and it is kind of um so I just completely abandoned that altogether in my life. I watched every single genre any movie I could get my hand on, hands on, but I just steered away from musicals hard. Um, and then I watched Cover Girl, and I was like, "Wait a second, Gene Kelly's like really like awesome, and Rita Hayworth is super sexy." Um, so let me see what's going on. So Criterion put out Umbrellas of Cherbourg, which I haven't watched yet, and they also put out um, Young Girls of Rochefort. So I popped in Hyakis uh, Demi. His film, uh, Young Girls of Rochefort. And I tell you what, man, this movie just fucking melted me right in my seat. Um, it's super cute. Um, it's funny. Um, it's got a great soundtrack. Uh, Gene Kelly is absolutely amazing. Um, yes, and he's the, pretty much the only American that pops up in the, in this French film. Um, but it's just it, he he's so charming in, in his films and his dance sequences are you know like above everybody else's um and the one and the one cool thing about this film for the horror people is that there's this really really weird subplot of a serial killer in the film um and it's just, and it's very, like, it, it's, it's weird because they introduce all these characters. I mean, Catherine, uh, I, I'm really bad at pronouncing French names. So any of the French people listen to this podcast or speak French or know how to pronounce these names, fucking forgive me. Um, but Catherine, uh, Denevieu or Dina Yuve, maybe. And, uh, I sound like fucking Sean right now. Jesus Christ. And, um, uh, and her, the girl that plays her sister, um, so her name's Solange in the film, uh, friend Kos, uh, Dorliak, which actually died tragically, like right after this movie was made. She was only like 29 or something, died in a car accident. But, uh, these two basically, uh, they're, they're twins, um, and they, uh, have ballet classes and they kind of just want to fall in love. And it's about them trying to, get themselves out there and fall in love with, you know, whoever comes by. Um, spoiler alert, one of them's Gene Kelly, which I fell in love with Gene Kelly as soon as I saw him in the movie too. Um, but back on track of the serial killer, there's this weird thing where they're just like, they break in, they're like, they talk about this crime scene that they saw and about how there was blood everywhere. And then they go into detail. And one of the songs 
is called Cut Her Up in Little Pieces. And they sing about how this serial killer basically chopped up this woman. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? And there's this, and they talk about the serial killer throughout the film. And then it's revealed. And I'm like, wow, this is kind of bizarre. Like, I mean, this truly is kind of falling in love, love story, really cute and, you know, uh, dancey dance. And then we just have a fucking serial killer sub subplot. So if you're into horror, it's not a horror film at all, but it does have there something is a song for you. About cutting her up, cutting people into pieces. What's the, yeah. what, what's this musical called? It's called The Young Girls of Rochefort. Um, so yeah, it's like I said, it's, it's very cute. Um, and I'm really, really excited to dive into some of this director's other work as, you know, his non musicals as well as his, uh, other musicals. And just, uh, I mean, it's fabulous. So, um, and that's pretty, that's pretty much it. Is it in right. English? No, no, no. It's, it's, uh, Gene Kelly actually, I looked it up. Gene Kelly speaks French, um, Latin, uh, Yiddish, and, uh, English, obviously. Um, Damn. but yeah, cause I was watching it and then he, it didn't feel like his lines were dubbed. Um, and I was like, what the fuck? Gene Kelly speaks French? What? Um, and he does. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's, it's entirely in, in, in French, of course, but it's, it's, and then another thing about the film on a, on a, a technical level, um, I mean, the sets are fucking spectacular. The camera work is out of this fucking world. I mean, the tracking shots that they have in the film that captures the city, um, and it's the, the costumes are, you know, just, are just, very, very pretty. They, they're very vibrant with kind of what the summer is showing. I mean, it's a summertime movie. So, you know, very summery colors and, and stuff like that. Um, but just, it, it's just beautiful to look at. You can put the shit on mute and still be entertained. Um, but yeah, in just editing and camera work, um, and, uh, cinematography are just fucking outstanding. So there's more than just a, being a cute musical. Because when I'm watching these musicals, I, I when I'm diving into this stuff, because now I'm obsessed, is that I still want well-made movies. I mean, you might have a cute song here and there. That's fine. But, um, you know, I, I want something that's also pretty to look at. I'm still watching it as a film. Um, and that's the reason why I didn't like Grease the other night. So oh, but we won't damn. we won't get in that until BJ's on the show. Yeah, yeah. All right, here we go. Um, very cool. Let's jump into our new segment with Josh Obershaw, then we will be back talking Pool Party Massacre with Drew Marvick. Mm. Josh Obershaw joins us now to give us this week's release news. What's up, man? Hey, Sean, and hello to everybody out there. What's up, what's up? Going? Well, what? just just kind of wishing that um, I was wearing my old Soundgarden Super Unknown t-shirt from high school right now. Yeah, man. Yeah, you and uh, pretty much probably everyone listening. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, sad news about Chris Cornell for sure. Yeah, so I've just been listening to Soundgarden all morning, and still going, I might add. <laughs> I guess M- I guess MTV Classic is still playing all the uh, all the old Soundgarden and Chris Cornell videos. Oh, nice! 
Good. It's a good tribute to him for sure. Yeah. Right. He's a so favorite. We'll, yeah, mine too. Well, let's talk about some happy stuff, shall we? Yes. Okay. Or unhappy because our wallets will be crying huge tears as we <laughs> abuse them. <laughs> Well, uh, here's a little bit of, uh, ease on the whole wallet thing. Our sponsor, Vinegar Syndrome, is holding a halfway to Black Friday sale. And the dates for that are going to be May 26th through the 29th. So that's going to be the Memorial Day weekend. They've got two limited edition Blu-rays that they're going to be announcing. There's also going to be a huge sale, 50% off everything on their site. They've got some brand new merch, a quote, much requested DVD collection of sorts. So yeah, keep your eye out for that because I'm very, very curious to find out what those uh, limited edition Blu-rays are. They've been teasing it on Instagram and I'm just sitting here like, damn it, tell me what it is. (laughs) And uh, let's see, next up, the big one is Arrow. Arrow just uh, announced their August slate. Now, there's going to be two UK-only releases. They're going to be releasing The Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2 and 1981's Shock Treatment, which is kind of, sort of, a sequel to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> and it's uh, I know Richard O'Brien is a, a big part of that. The characters of Brad and Janet are in it. I've only seen part of it. But I'd be very curious to finally revisit that one completely. There's no U.S. only title for the month of August, but they've got some pretty cool titles that are going to be available on both sides of the Atlantic. And the one that I'm really excited about is Lucio Fulci's Don't Torture a Duckling. Yeah. Now this one is going to be packed. There weren't a lot of special features on the uh, on the DVD that Blue Underground put out, but we have got. Let's see here. Oh yeah, a new audio commentary by Troy Holworth, the author of So Deadly, So Perverse: Fifty Years of Italian Giallo Films, The Blood of Innocence, a new video discussion, Hell is Already in Us, a new video essay, interviews with co-writer director Lucio Fulci. Actor Florinda Bulkin, the cinematographer, the assistant editor. I mean, this thing is definitely going to be worth the upgrade. Another one, this is an interesting one. John Frankenheimer's Ronin from 1995, I believe. It's with uh, Robert De Niro and Jean Reno. Awesome. This is a solid action flick, man. I'm I'm excited to see it get a, a cool treatment for sure. Yeah, this is one that my brother speaks very, very highly of, and I can't believe I missed out on this one. That one's going to be coming out on August 14th in the UK and 15th in the US. Same thing with Don't Torture a Duckling. They've also got Eric the Conqueror coming out. But here is one. I have never heard of this movie, but when Arrow announced it, my Twitter feed just went off the hook. (laughs) And that is 1982's The Slayer. Yeah. Yeah, this has been one of those elusive, I think, stuck on VHS titles that a ton of people have been asking for. I see. There's going to be a 4K scan of the original negative. Awesome. Uh, uncompressed audio, mono audio, excuse me. Uh, new interviews with the cast and crew. So this is definitely going to be definitely one to pick up. I mean, judging by the artwork, I think this is going to be a blind buy for me. I'm very curious to find out what this is all about. <sighs> 
especially since it looks like a monster movie that came out right smack in the middle of the first wave of slashers. Yeah, I, I, I what I've read and I haven't read too much on it. I think it seems like some br- hybrid between slasher and monster movie. So I'm I'm, I'm in. <laughs> That's all you need to tell me. Totally. So that is your August slate from Arrow Video. Those are some of the big uh, headlines for this week. We I got a couple of little things to share with you. Those that have been waiting for Shin Godzilla to come to the United States on home video, that is going to be August 1st, courtesy of Fun Animation. Uh, no special features to really write home about, but yeah, I'm very, very curious about this one. But yeah. It's Toho Godzilla. I mean, if you've seen one Toho Godzilla movie, you've seen them all. But still, it's new Toho Godzilla. Totally. Come on. I'm I'm totally pumped. Googly eyes and all, bring it on. And next up from 88 Films, they've got three titles coming out later this year. They've got The House on Sorority Row, which, of course, Scorpion has already put out. And two more Code Red titles. We've got... Slaughterhouse Rock and Sweet Sixteen. So are they add, you, are they adding those to to buy? Because those have been out. Slaughterhouse uh, Rock and Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, over here in the U.S., Code Red had got those. Oh, titles, oh sorry, I'm totally spacing <laughs> out. My bad. <laughs> Apologies, everybody. It's AD all good, Films man. and Code Red, man, they're releasing the same movies, and uh, it gets confusing. Awesome. Good stuff. Right. Sorry to derail the entire news segment altogether. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. What else have I got? Oh, yeah. This is not necessarily horror, but I know a lot of people are excited about this one. Bobcat Goldwaite's 1991 film, Shakes the Clown. That one is coming out on July 11th. That's the good news. The bad news is it's Mill Creek. So nah. don't expect any bonus features. But if you just want the movie on Blu-ray – it's going to be at a decent price. It'll be like seven or eight bucks, man. You can't go wrong. Exactly. And one other thing I want to uh, want to point out to everybody. Last year, we told you about, uh, let's see, Jim Wernowski's The Return of Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. That, is, that is currently out on Blu-ray as of May 15th. So if you want to – so if you have a region-free player – it's available on Blu-ray right now. Oh I don't know what the special features are. I've been looking for them, but uh, oh my god, yeah. Boner <laughs> I know what I'm doing right after this. I'm buying that. <laughs> nice. That's a fun one for sure. I love that movie, and it's it's got one of my favorite opening credit sequences with you know CCRs born oh, on the man. bayou playing and that's so good, so good. <laughs> So that's all the news I got for you, Sean. All right, Josh. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you next time. See you guys later. Peace.
the main focus today is this flick that Brad told me to watch and Brad told me to pay my hard-earned money for. Yeah, he did. It's a film called Pool Party <laughs> Massacre. Claire Winthorpe and her friends don't know it yet, but they are about to have the worst pool party ever. Pool Party Massacre, coming soon. Drew, where the fuck did you come from, man? Wow. I, I was invited. <laughs> oh, oh, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, I have a, I have a good preface to this story, actually. Um, <laughs> yes, Brad, please. So a, a good lead up to in- intro for uh, Drew. So um, basically, uh, um, months and months ago, um, just scrolling through um, Twitter, I stumbled across a poster of what was pool party massacre and my immediate thought was this is just a um you know kind of a little uh not a spoof movie but just a fake poster that somebody made up like hey look at this movie that could have existed i mean they're they're around everywhere um and it, it wasn't tagged with anything it just said pool party massacre and i just didn't hit the search engine to look it up because i've stumbled across those before they're just cool looking posters that exist and nothing else. Um, and kind of just kind of forgot about it. Um, and then we, I went to spooky empire in April and I was walking around and I saw this uh, big banner. It was pool party massacre. And I was like, Holy shit. I, I know what that is. Um, and I was like, wait, this is a real fucking movie. Like this is crazy. And, uh, it was a booth just selling that. There was no other merchandise at the table but DVDs, Blu-rays, posters, stickers, and action figures had sold separately. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, and behind the counter was uh, was Brian Mills, the uh, editor of the film, and um, and Drew. And uh, I introduced myself, and we had a brief chat, and I, I think I told Drew kind of the story of me stumbling across the poster months ago and I had no idea it was a real film. Um, and you know, just, you know, Blu-ray was 20 bucks, no big deal dropping $20 just to support the, you know, indie machine. Um, and then I, I think, yeah, we just talked away <laughs> for your talked for a couple minutes and I walked away. Um, and then, uh, I sat down cause, uh, I was with my daughter at the time and she wanted to get, you know, a quick bite to eat and something to drink. So we're sitting in the lobby and, um, you know, she's playing on her phone or whatever. And I was just, I already just started looking at the Blu-ray and I cracked it open and I was like, it's a fucking press disc. Like what the, who the fuck is this guy? Um, and I mean, for people that collect, you know what a press disc is, you know what a fucking BDR is. So I was like, man, this is really fucking cool. So, you know, of course, at Spooky Empire, you just don't walk around once. You walk around 30 times. And, um, you know, I was walking around again in that in that area, and I just decided to stop back and just kind of chat. It was, you know, no one was at the booth at the time. I mean, other than that, that booth was fucking crowded with babes. Um, but at Always. this point, no one Total was there. Total bang jobs. <laughs> Total bang jobs. <laughs> um and then Drew and I talked some more, and that's um, and that's kind of how this all uh, came to be. 
um, which was really cool. And it was really funny because, um, I, when I'm, when I'm out, I, you know, and at these things, I don't like say, Oh, I'm Brad from the screencast. I, I just mentioned, you know, I, I had, you know, on the, on our show, on my show, uh, you whatever. Were, you weren't wearing your shirt. No, 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 no. I don't, I don't really like you were carrying around nah. like a speaker playing our show. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I don't ever broadcast it like that. Cause I, I, it's just something nah. I don't do. Um, and then, you know, Drew did ask, he's like, what is your show? And I told him, and then he was just like, can I be on it? And I was like, uh, well, I mean, you just kind of, you know, watch the movie, uh, first or, you know, just not just jumping into it. Um, and then Drew asked, he's like, do you have people with shitty movies on your show? And I said, sometimes he goes, well, why can't I be on your show? And I was like, <laughs> all right, this guy is wins already because I don't have anything to say. I don't have anything to counter this. Um, so, so then it was kind of born from there and I fell in love with Drew and his, uh, charming personality and that, uh, very awesome beard. So that's about it. That's a beautiful <laughs> Did it get story. weird? Did it get weird? So my question for you <laughs> is start from the fucking beginning other than being inspired by, uh, obviously 80 slasher films and horror films. Yeah, so don't talk about that part. Got well, it. we'll get into that later. <laughs> uh, you mean the beginning of, like, how did this movie come about? When did your dad's penis go into your mom's yeah. vagina? And well, I mean, just, when just who you, you are, that? where, no, where you know, what what decided to make something like a, <laughs> you know, a, you know, a 80s throwback slasher film? Um, obviously, I mean, I know the answer, but tell our audience here. Sure. Well, I mean, I I feel like I always wanted to make an '80s slasher film, as as far as I can remember. Uh, like even back in high school, when that's when that's all I watched. But but I didn't know it was possible. I, I, it's funny. I grew up in Orange County, California, which is I don't know, maybe an hour away from Hollywood. But for some reason, I thought I lived too far away from Hollywood to ever work in movies. Which makes sense for people that live in other places of the country, but for someone who has to drive through Hollywood to get to the airport, it was probably idiotic. But <laughs> so I, I just I didn't think it was realistic until later in life I found myself work I work in production I actually make a living in production not by making movies like Pool Party Massacre because that costs me money, but um, by producing commercials, and so being on set all the time i just always talk about i try to convince everyone i work with to make a horror movie with me because everyone i work with is much more talented than i am and has a particular skill so i, I pretty much have for 10 years have just been trying to convince people to lend me their talents so i could make a bad movie and finally i convinced brian mills yeah and that's how full party massacre was born now, how much uh, how much influence and how much impact did uh, did Brian have in in the project? And you know, was the idea there previously, or did it just like, hey, let's make a slasher, and we did it? I mean, so the story goes, uh, Brian called me one day and to tell me that he got a new camera package. And was looking for something to shoot with it. He was excited about it. Um, 
and and as a commercial producer, I think he wanted me to know so that I could rent it from hire him and uh, rent his camera package from him. But that's not how my brain works. I instantly just thought, hey, maybe we could make make a movie with this. And and he actually volunteered that information. He said, man, I wish I wish somebody had a script. I got this new camera. I have the next two months off. I, I would love to shoot something for free. And so a little spark went off in my head and I said, well, I have a script. And he said, you do? Is it, is it ready to shoot? And I said, yeah, of course it's totally ready. He asked what it was. I said, it's a slasher movie. And the first thing that popped into my head was pool party massacre for some reason. So I blurted out, it's called pool party massacre. I kind of came up with the plot on the fly. I mean, the basic, you know, I said, it's about a bunch of, a bunch of girls at a pool and a killer's killing him off. I mean, that, that's probably pretty obvious by the title. And <laughs> and he totally bought my story and said, all right, cool. Well, then send over the script and we'll start, you know, we'll start pre-production. And I said, oh, you know, I, I'm sure a lot of writers have done this. And I said, oh, well, let me just, you know, make sure, let me just polish it up. Mm-hmm. I haven't looked at it in a while. I've been working on some yeah. other scripts. And give me a week. And then I went and locked myself in the, my office and actually wrote the script and sent it over to him. And for some reason he liked it. And that's when we actually started the process. So it wasn't, I mean, the, the idea of it other than, you know, ripping off slumber party massacre wasn't, wasn't really there until that phone conversation. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a really, really fun flick. Like I, 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 I bought, I bought it and then it, it, it arrived and of course, I had to get the autographed edition. Well, well we we, we need to go role. back yeah. to um, oh. basically. I I told Sean what was happening. I was like, <laughs> "Hey, man, uh, went to Spooky Empire. Uh, a couple people knew me. Very, very weird. You know, people came up to me, um, and I was like, "Hey, man, I bought this bought this film, and I like took a picture of it, and I was I basically, you know, the uh, the Blu-ray and." Um, Sean's like first reaction was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like in the sense of like Sean saying, "You got to be fucking kidding me! I'm not watching that." Um, I, I knew it. I was like, "Dude!" I was like, "Trust me, I haven't even watched the movie yet, but buy it, and you know, let, let's just let's just see where it goes." I and, well, as soon as um, as soon as Brad, as soon as you told me that, like, look, even if this movie's shitty, Drew's still gonna come on the show. <laughs> Like he still wants well, to come yeah, on the and, show. I was like, I, I sold I like, you. Oh my I God, sold you on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, sh- I, I, I also, I, I won you over just by saying, Hey, also this motherfucker pressed his own disc for some reason. And he's just like self distributing basically. Like, I don't know who the fuck this guy is, but like, this is really kind of cool in an in indie world because we have these big companies that have money that aren't doing this um and do some some of them are only doing dvd only so i said you know this is definitely something just to look uh look at in general um and then we then i watched the film and then you watched the film and we were like oh shit like this is fucking this is fucking cool as shit you know bang yeah. jobs well, i mean total bang jobs <laughs> yeah it's a bank total bang job of a flick well no because i mean i i i got it and I had seen people posting those, uh, the, uh, the action figures on, on Twitter and stuff. And I was like, and I was like, the marketing, you know, the, the marketing, right? Like the poster and then these, 
these action figures. I was like, it's fucking genius. I was like, I really, really, really hope this movie's decent. Like, I hope I have fun with this is, is all I'm wondering. Cause you know, you see as in indie horror movies, like for me, I mean, I, I got three kids. I don't got time to waste. Like for some reason, Brad has all the time in the world to watch these shitty movies. I don't know. I just, but, make uh, it's, <laughs> I just don't feed the kids or take care of her. Okay. Yeah. But it's hard. You know, I'm always worried when it comes to like an indie horror movie that I haven't heard of. You know, I'm always like, Oh my God. Like, all right. You know, I'm going to have my phone ready just in case I get bored. I'm going to start tweeting and bullshitting wow. when this movie's play. Oh boy. Oh God. <laughs> but no, no, I mean, but we've been doing this no, show it, for fucking three years. We've watched a lot yeah. of shitty movies to, you yeah. know, we're like, yeah. Hey, what can we cover? Let's watch but this. Nope. It was garbage. Let's move on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, but as soon as the movie started and you have, you have the pool guy who's tatted up, listening to metal, uh, he's cleaning the pool. And then with the, uh, the bored housewife, the bored rich housewife, <laughs> the interchange between the two was like, so, I don't know, man. It just made me laugh. It was so like witty in a sense, you know, the, the metal had me too. I was like, fuck, this guy's also like, obviously in the metal. And, uh, and I, I, you know, put my phone down. Nestled oh, so he in had my, his phone. He had his phone in his hands. Uh, I did. You never he know. Was ready. Some of, this, some of this shit. Uh, put the phone down. You know, my dog. My dog is next to me. She got comfortable. I got comfortable. Had my have a had a couple drinks at the ready and had a hell of a time watching this man. This is a really fun flick. Um, like the script is punchy. Like the dialogue is punchy. The, the gore scenes are great. I mean, this, this is like almost like something that, that could have been shot back in the eighties and something that we as fans would love. But it, it, I'm, I love the fact that it was a modern flick. Like this takes place now, you know, but it's just yeah. happens to be in the style of kind of an eighties slasher with a few references here and there. But it was, man, I, I just had a really fun time watching this. And as soon as I got done watching it, I was just like, I need to tell as many people as possible. To, to give this movie a shot because you don't run across too many indie flicks like this um, that are just that know the subject matter and are having fun with it, but they're not, uh, I don't know. They're not being lazy about it. They're not. Well, I mean, I know, think it also goes for to, the easy references. Yeah. I mean, I think it goes to, um, you know, uh, and it, this isn't anything negative. This is, um, you know, you obviously know what your movie was, you knew what it wanted to be, and it wasn't anything more than that. And I think what happens with a lot of these types of films, and just films in general, is that people have kind of that Troy Duffy syndrome, where they think they're the king shit, they have the best <laughs> movie out there, and they just really don't know what to do, or you know, they just automatically expect people to like it because they're making a revolutionary cinema or something like that. And I mean, I think that this goes hand in hand with, um, kind of what these films, uh, from the eighties, um, were all about. And when we watch them, we watch them with friends. We watch them with our, uh, you know, our good buddies or horror friends. Um, we talk amongst them about ourselves. We have fun with uh, the corniness of the film. We have, uh, fun with the one liners. We have fun with the characters. Um, and we have 
a fun time. And that's what it's all about. And I, that's, and you can feel that. It's almost like shot on video films is that that's the reason why I always stand behind them is because those movies, they're not making them to be millionaires. They know they're not going to make a big break in Hollywood. They're making a film with their friends to hang out with their friends and just have a fucking good time. And that's exactly what Pool Party Massacre feels like. You know, it's, it's, it's not, going to be this huge break into, you know, the horror industry. It's it's there, it knows what it is, and it has fun with it. And I think that's what I appreciate about it. And, I mean, whether you're trying to achieve that or not, Drew, I don't know, but that's definitely what it seems like and how it feels. And I think that's the reason why people uh, like this more than, I mean, because the barrage of fucking indie slashers and indie films we have is overwhelming. Um, and we watch that shit all, I watch that shit all day long. And most of the time I'm like, eh, whatever. But it's very rare for me to be like, oh man, this is a really, this is a good time. This reminds me of growing up. And that's kind of what this film did. So that was me sucking your dick and you can talk now. (laughs) Man, dicks have been sucked. Oh, it's been a while. Balls have been caught. (laughs) (laughs) That is exactly, I mean, I'm surprised that i was able to pull it off but that, <laughs> according to you i did but that's exactly what i was going for i just wanted to make a fun slasher movie that had the spirit of an 80s slasher i basically i i, I looked at it as if if i could take my 15 year old self and bring him to present time and let him write and direct a slasher film what would it be and that's that's kind of what i did so what did you do? Because you had to round up actors and, and things like that. I mean, what was your timeline like as far as getting one together? Was it did you have to go through a casting process, or did you just try to grab as many people who were willing to to jump in on this? I know that your your wife's in it. She um, is reluctantly. <laughs> uh, we we did we ended up going through a casting process, but originally once I once I had the script written, Brian had a short a short window of time that he, he was actually moving to Florida. So he had cleared his schedule for the next, I was by, I think it was two months. So he said, Hey, if you know, if you can pull this off in the next two months, I'll shoot in it and edit it for you. And so my plan at that point, for some dumb reason, I wanted to make the movie for $11. I don't know where <laughs> the number came from, but I thought to myself, if I can make this movie for $11, like that people will remember that it's the $11 slasher. Like we got it. <laughs> And so I, I'm sure I, I was drinking, but <laughs> so I went into it with that mentality. I gave him the script. I said, Brian, I'm going to get a bunch of my friends. I'll get my wife, you know, my kids can play, put a wig on my son, whatever I have to do. And we're making this movie and we're doing it before you leave, you know, print. And he said, okay, I'll print some scripts and I'll come over. And then he, he came over to my house to go over them. And when he got there, he handed me the receipt for printing the scripts at the FedEx and it was $73. <laughs> oh shit well scratch the 11 dollar movie so and right around that point his uh timetable changed and he suddenly had more time so i we started taking it a, a little more serious mm-hmm. and decided to cast the movie have some auditions i then you know did some rewrites made some things uh hopefully better and so so yeah we did we had local auditions and it ended up taking 
a, a lot longer than we expected. We this all of this was taking place in July, and we didn't even end up start first day of shooting wasn't until the day after Thanksgiving in November. Damn. So we ended up taking months to actually cast it properly. I mean, the more the closer the deeper into pre-production I got, the more excited I got. And suddenly, yeah, you know, I, I was so excited to make a movie period, but I also then realized I kind of want to make it, try to make a good movie. Well, I mean, yeah, you have this uh, as a filmmaker, you have a, this, you know, nice time frame. You have this, uh, you know, if you have the equipment and you have, you know, people willing to make a movie. Yeah. It's like, all right, let's do it. Then it's like, wait a second. Uh, Let's hold up because I actually this is real now, and I want to make something that is at least I don't want this to be just on my computer and show it to friends when they're over. You know, I want to be able to put this out there into the world and for people to see it. So yeah, exactly. I, I totally yeah, I mean, get that. yeah, it started. It started to become a real movie, and originally it was kind of just for me. I I, I treated it as me getting my first feature out of the way and it didn't matter if what it was or if anyone saw it, I just needed to, you know, pop that cherry, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, every time I showed the script to someone and they actually liked it, I started to see potential and say, Oh, you know, maybe this, maybe there's a real movie here. How did you get Alexis Adams? I kind of lucked out with Alexis Adams. Uh, My makeup artist, Katie Jacobs, who's a good personal friend of mine, had knows her personally and had done her makeup before. And when I mentioned to her that I was looking for someone for that, for that role in particular, I said, I want somebody that's comfortable with nudity and maybe implied a little bit of implied sex, but not, you know, I need somebody that fits, but you know, and I, and I wanted them to have great tits. That was kind of also a qualification. And, and she mentioned Alexis. And when I Googled her, I, you know, the, her tits popped up immediately. <laughs> Note to self, clear my browser history yeah, right now. Yes. And, <laughs> and it worked out. She happened to, she wants to do more, I don't know, I guess you call them straight films. So she was excited for the opportunity to, to be in a, in a feature film. And I was excited for the opportunity to have her in it. So it just kind of worked out. I, I, I lucked out, I guess. Now, she, uh, lives here in Ve- she lives here in Vegas. Oh, that's cool. So that helped. Now was uh, you now your wife? Since you said uh, she was in it reluctantly, um, do you <laughs> now was that like a last minute thing just to fill it in, or was it like, hey, we're making a movie together? No, you know? I mean, I I always wanted her to be a part of. It. I throw her in. I mean, I I put her in stuff constantly. I mean, she's. I'm always torturing her in some <laughs> in some way, shape, or form. So in my mind, she was always. She was always a part of it. I didn't know if she would even do it or how big of a part she would be, but I really wanted her to be a part of it. Especially, I mean, one, it's my first feature film, and two, it was a very much a family affair. I yeah, mean, everyone, everyone in my family had to be involved. We didn't have, I mean, the money was just coming from my savings account and selling movie posters, and so, so I love, I love that the idea of that of bringing us together so she has like the best gag i think in the flick with the the hammer you yeah know, through the jaw god damn it I, it's funny that's the first kill scene that we shot because for i was for some reason i i thought it would be the easiest 
to pull off. So I, I scheduled it first and it ended up being by far the hardest and the worst. <laughs> and it, it was a horrible decision to shoot that first. And if you still, I mean, if you watch it, luckily it, it fits with the, with the film. Yeah. But it, I mean, if you really watch it, the cuts had to be so short because it was impossible to keep the handle of the hammer, even with the claw part that was sticking out of her mouth. Mm-hmm. It would just, it kept, I mean, there are some takes that were ridiculous. Oh man. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can kind of see in the behind the scenes footage that, you know, that wasn't easy, especially her holding herself up and, you know, it did not look pleasant. No, or, it, you know. it wasn't. And if you've ever been covered in fake blood, it dries quickly and it's very sticky and uncomfortable. So yeah, I, I'm sure it wasn't. Well, actually, I, I, I know it wasn't pleasant. She's told me several times yeah (laughs) that it it wasn't but (laughs) what what i love about it i mean each kill each gag in the film like it it feels like a hundred percent on par with what would have happened in say like slumber party massacre or or a film like that you know there's it's everything's practical uh there you show what you can when you can but even if you don't show you know, full on like weapon penetration or anything like that. It's still very messy, you know? Um, and I know that it's also that that's a budgetary, that was a budgetary constraint of these earlier, you know, horror flicks. Was that, did you go into that as a, look, this is a budgetary constraint or was, was that a deliberate, you know, idea to kind of keep these kills you know, on par with other kind of eighties movies? I think it was a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything definitely I kept referring back. I kept trying to think, okay, what would it be? What would they have done? You know, if this was 1984, what would, how would, how would they have done this? But then I also had limitations in certain scenes because there were a couple where I wanted, I wanted to go a little bigger, like the whole Alexis Adams everything in mm-hmm. that bedroom with Alexis's character and with uh, Troy. I wanted, I think in the original script, there's blood hitting the ceiling fan and then the ceiling fan is spraying it in a, in a circle around the room as it's hitting the fan, which <laughs> I, I should have known better when I was even writing it, but there was no way I could do that unless I built a set. So there was one or two instances where it was very obvious that I couldn't do what was in the script. But the rest, I, it was, you know, deliberate in the sense that I wanted to do it in a way that was that was accurate. Nice. Now, aside from, of course, like Slumber Party Massacre and stuff being, um, you know, because I, I feel that's just obvious inspirations. Sure. Um, yeah. what, what else, like, kind of uh, definitely, it didn't even be anything horror related, just as far as, like... Uh, films in general like what was what was your turning point saying you know because it seems like you've been in production and 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 film for some time but when you were younger what was that thing that triggered uh pool party massacre if you knew it was going to be then because you said you always kind of wanted to do an 80s slasher um you know uh so what was the turning point what were some of the films that really stood out that inspired this film in general i mean like I, I watched my friends and I, there were a couple tapes that we, we carried around with us, but most of them were in that same 
campy eighties horror vein, uh, Sleepaway Camp two and three, the movies like that. April Fool's Day, Happy Birthday to Me. Um, I just really there was another movie. I don't know if you've seen it, uh, Shock 'Em Dead. Yeah, we talked about that, that on the show one time. Yeah, that, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, we talked yep. about it at Spooky Empire too, actually. Yeah. I, I think, but uh, Shock 'Em Dead was one of was a movie that that my friend Bob had recorded off of like USA up all night onto a tape with commercials. And we would like bring it to each other's houses and, and watch it over and over again. And so there's movies like that, that really made me want it. And that's right around the time when I started taking film, film classes after school and wanting to try to make something like that. And then was completely, easily discouraged and distracted and apparently forgot about it for 20 years. <laughs> um, I, my only question just because I'm kind of a nut, and I didn't ask you this via like text or when we were talking, is there a reference to the unnameable in the film? No, no. Okay. It, or if I, I thought it was one of the names. Because oh, uh, no. of, of the family family name, so the Winthorpe, yeah, yeah, it's one of the no. main characters in the H.P. Lovecraft unnameable. Oh, oh, really? Yeah, so and that's kind of a slasher. It's a monster, but it's still a you know considered a slasher film. Unnameable, Happy Accident, one and two. So, but yeah, yeah that, I mean, it was just like when I because I I watched it twice. Because I was, you know, watched it for the first time and then watched it again with, you know, partial commentary and just, you know, brushing up before the show. Um, and then, you know, I was trying to think, okay, let, let's see, like, you know, if I, because I always like to do that with stuff like that, you know, uh, you know, I always had fun with Scream trying to point out all the, you know, small little references or even horror films today, you know, names, places, you know, just a little homage stuff. So I was trying to catch uh, catch the stuff in that. Other than you know, of course, I mean, Slumber Party Massacre two for sure with the drill through the chest um, sure. was uh, was one of my uh, favorites. And I mean, Clay in general, that fucking character. I mean, <laughs> he's he's definitely the highlight as far as character goes in in the oh, film. Oh, he's great. That That's fucking be one of the best sun, character deaths. Fucking suntan lotion all over his fucking <laughs> chest. Like, I mean, his lines are fucking great. Um, you know, I, oh I, I thought the Ferris Bueller's Fight Club talk was was funny because I remember <laughs> hearing about that fucking theory. Um, and I just I thought it was really funny. He was explaining to somebody that really doesn't give a shit. Um, and he doesn't even really. And he like stumbles across that like he's like, oh wait, was that it? Like. Am I telling it right? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I and, and you know that you know when movies reference other movies and it's you know uh, you know in that in that sense kind of like you know and Tarantino made that really really popular um, as well. I mean even Scream took that to a whole new uh, level. It's always fun when movies recognize movies do exist. Um, I always find that uh, entertaining. Yeah. yeah, and that the Clay character. Well, first the the Winthorpe. The family name, maybe it would have been cooler if it was an unnameable reference. It's actually a Trading Places reference. It was Dan Aykroyd's <laughs> character's last name. And so when I was, when I was nice. which is obviously not a horror movie, but, but when I was writing it, that just kept popping into my head as like an iconic like 
super prick douchey rich guy name and and that's what that's what stuck out but the clay character is was definitely my favorite character to write for sure and and in in the movie it's kind of a like a, a blend of several of my friends one of my friends who happens to actually be named clay <laughs> most of most of the character is from is from him and my experiences you know going to college and growing up with him so so that that was definitely my my inspiration was clay and then the, the nick uh buyer the actor who plays clay is a good friend of mine too and is just hilarious in in real life and a great actor so it was written for him i yeah, can't nice. imagine anyone else doing it so he, it was very specifically written for him and then i had to convince him to do it in kind of much in so. kind of having that you know kind of buddy mentality on, on on the set and you can feel that kind of ooze through the screen too um you know is where, where it's you know kind of a you know like you said a family affair how much freedom did you give um kind of your actors with something like this because i mean obviously it doesn't it didn't feel uh, and i presume it's, it wasn't a super serious set um, so kind of what, how was the attitude with, um, kind of the actors and did anybody do their own thing or was it just like, Hey, this is the general idea or was it kind of more sticking to what you had written and people did take it seriously? Well, I mean, it definitely was, a re- it was definitely a relaxed, yeah. relaxed set. I mean, it was intended to be, but I think it was also it would be pretty hard to take it too seriously um with me at at the helm <laughs> i'm just uh, i still think i have that that in me but i i definitely i gave everyone the freedom to to develop their characters and to and to kind of go with it a little bit but i also was happy with the majority of the script the way it was so i would always you know i i as a rule, we kind of got, got it the way it was written and then would do a couple takes for, for them and let them explore. And then we would, Mm -hmm. you know, when we, when we actually had time, I I would go over it and, and, and tell the, ask them, you know, to put things in their own words and and we would make, I would make some adjustments there too. I, I, I mean, I do some acting as well and sometimes there's just certain phrases or words that don't flow yeah. naturally. And no, so it's, it's I think never that's great work. Yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've made three, Oh God, how many, four, four short films myself. And yeah, I write the script, but then when I have, cause I mean, I'm not, I live in fucking Florida. I don't have actors around me. Um, it's mostly just friends doing me favors and I'm like, Hey, this is a general idea. Fucking read it. And then they read it and they sound like a fucking robot. And I'm like, you know what? This is the general idea. Fucking spit it out eventually, you know, but yeah, be natural. Yeah. And I think, I think that's what helps too is it was something of this nature, pool party massacre, a slasher that's, you know, uh, an 80 slasher um, (laughs) with a bunch of, bunch of hot ladies running around getting slashed up. I mean, yeah, there's got to be that sense of like, hey, try to make this not sound too corny, but also have that have fun with it. So I think that's a hard line to to be on because, you know, you don't like 
you know, things can be goofy, but you don't want them to be bad as at the same time. So I think that's kind of a hard thing to teeter on when you're like, hey, let's have fun with this. But at the same time, we're trying to treat it seriously, but also deliver this line in a way where it doesn't sound like you're a robot, but also deliver it to where it could be, you know, laughable. But also serious. Because I think that would be a really, really tough as a director trying to explain that mentality other than just sitting everybody down and playing like 10 movies saying, do this, you know, um, <laughs> which I did that also. Okay. I mean, there, oh, nice. there was a, I mean, not specifically like do exactly this, but I mean, there was, uh, there was a lot of a uh, show and tell. <laughs> on set while (laughs) while they were going through hair and makeup i would have movies playing and say here you know this movie is one of my influences this is a reference or here's you know kind of the idea i'm going for the tone i'm going for and most of the time they i was worried that it would scare them away (laughs) (laughs) but fortunately it didn't i mean they all took it they i I found a great cast they yeah no they're all fantastic yeah they and they're they were great in their roles, they took it seriously. I mean, from the mm-hmm. beginning, I, I did. I couldn't pay them, so mm-hmm. I mean, from the beginning, it was I, I can't. I can't pay you, but I promise you this: I will take this seriously, whether you get that impression mm-hmm. while we're shooting it or not. I promise, I'm taking it, taking this very serious, and I will make sure it gets a release and a, pr- a proper release, and I will treat it like it's a real movie. Even if no one else in the world thinks it is, <laughs> I will treat it that way, and that's that'll be my payment to you. Like I'm not look, I'm not trying to make money. I'm not I'm not that naive. I just want to make a, mo- a hopefully a fun slasher movie. That yeah, at least a couple people will enjoy, and you guys won't be embarrassed to have been <laughs> in it. And so that was the goal from the beginning, nice. and, uh, and we might have pulled it off. They're, no, they, yeah, I think they it did. And, they aren't embarrassed to be in it. So no, that's, that's a they start. should be, man. Yeah, it's it's fucking funny, man. And the, I lost my shit when uh, during the vinegar stroke scene when all the girls are explaining vinegar <laughs> stroke, and I'd, I'd heard that like I'd heard that like in context, like men talking about it in the 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 show The League. Yeah, that's where <laughs> I just... that's where I got it from. <laughs> but and to have just... the women like talking about it and then giving their uh, impersonations of it. That's <laughs> just so funny, man. I I I, I don't know the things the things that get me laughing. It's it's fun. It's funny because that scene in particular, for some reason, um, Margot, who plays Nancy, and she, I, I don't know if I should I should probably stay away from spoilers because probably no one listening to this has seen the movie. Right? Yeah, but, I'm, I'm I'm staying away from some spoilers, especially especially toward the end. Sure, of course. The yeah. big. Sp- the big spoilers, but uh, but Na- Nancy, her character Margot, who plays Nancy, that for some reason that shooting that scene really bothered her, <laughs> and it ended up being like this hot button issue where in during post or right around the time when I had reached out to her about credits, she asked if we could remove it. She hadn't she hadn't even seen the movie, but it, I guess it had been eating away at her for huh. months. And she wanted it. She wanted us to remove it. And then, and and when I told her that we couldn't, she started distancing. She actually told me not to put her in the credits at that time. Oh wow! She she kind of distanced herself from it and said, "You know what? Just can I put a fake name?" And I said, "You 
you could put anything you want. You know, you did me the favor of, of acting for me, but it's great. Like you were, you're, you're great in the movie and it's, that scene's hilarious. And I, I just couldn't, couldn't convince her. And for some reason that was the one thing out of everything else in the movie, <laughs> that one scene, like really, the scene really of them making the faces. Her. Yeah. The vinegar stroke she faces. Just, yeah. She, oh. I, I don't know ex- exactly what it was about it, but, and even with her character, I mean, she, she's the, the wholesome character. So she's yeah. almost doing it in a way like it even references, like how would, you know, how would you know? And, and she, yeah. you know, tries to play it off. So yeah, but for some, for whatever reason that really, really <laughs> stuck with her and she was embarrassed and now she isn't, thank God. Oh, and, and I don't okay. think it helped. I also, then she would ask if she could see it. And I, I refused to let anyone in the cast see the movie until it, it premiered and they could see it in a theater with a group uh-huh. of people. I, oh, okay. And, and I think that also, that I think it also scared them though. <laughs> they felt that I wouldn't let them see it because it was so bad. And, but I kept trying to explain, no, I just don't want you to watch it on your phone. Like that's <laughs> you to see it when it's done with a crowd of people and get the real experience. If you watch it on your phone while you're on set somewhere, it, it I yeah. don't think it'll work. And so, so I think that was part of it too, because she would say, well, then can I please see it? And I say, no, <laughs> you can't, you just have to trust me. And so, so it's funny that you bring that up because for some reason that like mortified her, that people, her family would see her making that face. I'm oh, not exactly sure what it was, but, but now funny. in well, hindsight, she, she thinks it's funny again. For those who don't know, uh, urban dictionary, uh, explains a vinegar strokes as the pre-orgasmal point of no return for men during the sexual act where failing to blurt your mess will result in blue balls. <laughs> Here's a sentence referencing Ooh. the term. I was pulling up to the vinegar strokes when she woke up and caught my sticky gift in her freshly opened eye. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We got a boner over here. Bone zone. That was by Linton Gillespie, April 4th, 2006. <laughs> I was with uh, you until the she woke up part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> 1600 thumbs up, 690 thumbs down. I think we can find a better sentence to describe vinegar. vinegar I say you make one up, Sean. Yeah. Yeah, or you can just use the clip from Pool Party Massacre. (laughs) Here's here's another sentence. Uh, I was just getting into my vinegar strokes when the doorbell rang. Mm. I know that feeling. It's a little bit better. Yeah. It's a little bit better. Or when someone texts you (laughs) about to record a podcast. Right, 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 yeah. Yeah. Right, hap- that happens to me sometimes. Or your kids, like, walking. Wait. Gosh, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus Christ. Shit's getting dark. <laughs> <laughs> um, one other quick question. Um, was the daytime idea to set a film or a horror film at daytime budgetary <laughs> reasons, or was it just... Hey, a lot of horror films are at night. I want to do mine during the day. That's funny. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. It, it, originally, it was it was budgetary when when I was going to make it for eleven dollars, <laughs> and in a month, it was definitely the first thing that popped into my head was all right. You know, we shoot the whole thing during the day. We'll have it take place in in one day, and that way we don't have to worry about which. Which is great budget wise 
shooting in daylight and exterior, but also if I was making a serious movie and had to worry about continuity, it was a stupid idea because it all t- the movie takes place in almost real time. Yeah. And, yeah. and we shot it over six months. So if you really want, if you really pay attention, there's probably flowers blooming during conversations. <laughs> you know, some, there, there may or may not be clouds and overcast parts oh, sometimes. Oh, to- there definitely there. is. I mean, it almost, it almost <laughs> snowed one of the days we were shooting. We actually, it started raining and then hailing <laughs> and we put on the news and it said there was a forecast for snow. So. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, it was a the whole thing. I mean, honestly, the whole thing was a shit show, but it was, <laughs> it was, but it was so much fun. So, oh, man, just I think to, you guys pulled it, pulled it off. Just to recap for our listeners, that they can go to is it poolpartymassacre dot com. It is poolpartymassacre dot com, and uh, you can purchase posters, and you can purchase DVDs and Blu rays. Blu rays are pressed, and I imagine so are the DVDs, obviously. Probably. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. And you're sold out of action figures, sadly. We're sold out of action figures. There's some talk of doing uh, a variant figure, like maybe another color bikini. or I I don't know, because I get get hate mail about being (laughs) sold out. I I didn't know anyone would buy one. Hey, man. It's the little things. It's great. It is. So... Um, And you get it like... uh, You can get different packages with the poster and t-shirts... Yeah. Um Blu-rays sure. run about uh twenty bucks. Yep. We have a basically couple more dear listener. Yeah, dear listener, we're telling you to buy that shit. Go to poolpartymasker.com yeah. and and, uh, and, and, and the special features uh, are really cool too. Oh yeah. No, this is this is this is what I want to ask right here. Here we go. Um I mean, you're obviously a movie collector, Drew, and I I, I would imagine you know, having a press disc is, is, you know, it's pretty high on the priority list. I mean, it, it would be for me if I was a filmmaker, but I mean, did you have, I mean, the cost, the cost is significantly more than if you would do like a BDR, I would imagine. I've, I've looked into this a little bit, but I'm not for sure. Was it always on your mind? Like, look, I need to give this a, you know, a primo release with special features on, on a press Blu-ray or, I mean, I mean, how how did you uh did you just empty out your bank account? I mean, what's what's up, man? How, <laughs> I mean. It it definitely was it it was always on my mind. I wanted yeah. it to be a proper at least in my mind, a proper release. I, mm-hmm. I wanted it to to be a pressed Blu-ray. I wanted it to have special features. Because those are the things that I look for when I'm when I'm going to throw down $20 to, yeah. to to buy a movie. So, so yeah, it was it was really important to me and also I didn't know if this was the only movie I would ever get to make. So mm-hmm. I, I didn't want it, you know, if, if it turns out to be, hopefully it isn't, but if it turns out to be that way, I didn't want it to be, you know, a half-ass attempt. I wanted it, to, you know, I wanted to go down in, in history as the guy that made, even if it's the guy that made the shitty movie, but put a bunch of money into it to make special features. And hey, it. I got this movie and I got a storage shed full of, full of Blu-rays, but God damn it, I did it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was, it was really important to me. And then there were a couple things that reinforced it. Um, one of them, um, was actually with, uh, Jeremy Gardner, the, the Jeremy Gardner from the battery. Okay. You referenced earlier when they were making Tex Montana, I was a contributor to that. And, and there was a lot of dialogue 
about whether they should do pressed and how much work it was and how much it cost. And so I learned a lot from them just kind of following their journey. Not that I know them personally at all, but mm-hmm. following, following their journey. So luckily that taught me, taught me a lot about it too. And, and it reminded me how important it was. Speaking of Tex Montana, they, uh, <laughs> one of the guys, uh, like texting me when they were getting, they'd got all the artwork back from the, uh, the cardboard, you know, they did like a, uh, you know, cardboard Christian. type case and it was, it was a Christian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think he texted you too, Brad, but they, they put the, uh, the text flipped the wrong way. Oh. Cause you know, you, you have, when you have your Blu-rays all lined up in your case, right? They're all, all the text. It's basically, yeah. I think facing left or whatever, right? Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. They had had it facing right. So he was like, he was straight up like, how big of a deal is this? Like, should we eat all the money, you know, and redo it? You yeah, know? I know Christian was a little perturbed about oh that. Oh my God. But, but, oh, I mean, this isn't just like, oh, I'm going to press a disc. Like, there's like so much you have to think about, you know, artwork and everything. And for them, it was, that was ridiculous. And I was, I think I was like, well, how much does it cost to redo it? And he goes, well, it costs us X amount. And I was like, I was like, dude, whatever. Who gives a shit? You know, got, you're, you're the odd disc in the bunch. Who cares? <laughs> it's Tex Mike. I was like, it's Tex, Mon- it's Tex Montana. Of course he'll be facing the wrong way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You just got to roll with it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, small world. Christian and I have filmed three short films together. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Yeah. This has just turned into the Christian Stella moment of the podcast. Yeah. Hey, I, that's fine with me. I, I'm a, I'm a fan. <laughs> So, I mean, no, I, I think, I think being a filmmaker and then, and being able to do your own thing. I mean, Drew, like if I ever would make a movie, this is exactly like what I would hope I could do is offer some cool shit to go along with my film. Oh, you would bay it up too. You'd have explosions. Don't, totally. and shit. Come on, come on. Oh yeah. yeah. Come on. You're kidding me. <laughs> but, uh, the, the, the action figure was that, I mean, where, where did that come from? It's so, it's so funny. Was it just something you thought would be hilarious? I mean, as a gag or (laughs) pretty much, I mean, almost everything I did was, was for me, I guess maybe that's selfish. Maybe I'm a prick, but I I just, yeah, I just thought, (laughs) man, cause I, I buy those action. I bought action figures from Dan at uh, death by toys who made it for me. Mm-hmm. And so going into it, it, it was always in the back of my mind, how, you know, how cool would it be if there was an action figure? You know, once again, going back to if I only make one movie, I'm going to do it right. And I'm going to treat it like it's fucking Star Wars. <laughs> and so that was kind of my mentality from the beginning. So nice. I'm like, I'm going to make action figures. I'm going to make posters. I'm going to make hats and shirts <laughs> and whatever a lunchbox like i was it was a point where i was looking into lunchboxes oh my god and i just i want to make and there's still like there's still more like we just i just got pin enamel pins in or pins they're not nice. enamel pins actually okay. but i just got pins in um i actually the other thing that was in, important to me uh, as a movie poster collector uh I've, I've been collecting mostly mondo posters but a lot of you know, silkscreen movie posters is I actually have a limited edition hand pulled silkscreen version of the poster being mm. printed right now, which is probably stupid because it's really <laughs> expensive, but I wanted one and the cost <laughs> and the cost to make one was pretty close to the cost to make yeah. 
a hundred. You might as so, well make them all. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So. Oh man. Yeah, it. Why not? Yeah. It's great. I mean, if you're listening, like, like seriously, like, you guys don't hear me backing movies like this. Like, like, really, I, I don't. Like, and when I get excited about a film, no, I, dude, you know me. Like, I don't get all like, I don't spring a boner for every, uh, for every flick we we talk about on 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 the podcast. And you know, and even if we have like a, you know, someone involved with the film. You know, talking to us like I legitimately think this movie is worth checking out. You know what I mean? Well, I know what you mean. That's why that's we all, have that's on the all show. I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Like I, 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 I you know, I don't know. I you don't were, go. You were supposed to hate it, actually. I know. I was yeah. expecting to hate this thing. Like, I, I always seriously. figured that I would have to talk you into it, and then you would have to do the Sean. Like, I'll give it a rewatch. I guess I'll <laughs> check this out. Like maybe when I'm like. 45 it was, it was okay it was, it was an okay movie <laughs> that's no. i was expecting that exact i was expecting the rewatch line <laughs> no it, it's seriously man it's a lot of fun if if like we love these types of movies like you nailed the aesthetic of the films without being like without trying to copy it and that's and that's what i was saying like you know some people try to do these movies and they try to make it look exactly like an 80s film. Like, you made an 80s film, but it's a modern film, but it's an 80s film. Like, you know, it, it's, 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 it's its own thing and it's really fun. And if you're into those films, you will have a lot to dig into in this film. You'll have a lot of fun with it. Watch it with a handful of friends. Like, you guys will have a fucking blast with this thing. And, uh, and, you know, I'm just, you know, I want to see a sequel, man. I'm primed for a sequel. Well, I, I'm I'm writing one. Oh God! So I I, I just vinegar stroke. <laughs> yeah, the, I did start writing. I had no intention of making one, but <laughs> I, I I just figure I, I I got excited actually. I guess I guess yeah. it's okay for me to be excited about it. <laughs> yeah, once the movie was done and actually started playing festivals, I I thought, man, maybe there is maybe I could make a sequel. Why not? And then Slumber Party Massacre 2 just keeps ringing in my head. I'm like, oh, how cool would it be to make a ridiculous sequel that has nothing to do with the, the first? I mean, I'm not going to go that far. It's not going to be a musical. Maybe they but. can actually get in the pool this time. No. <laughs> Dude, no or one got in the pool. Like, oh, except, except for Clay, right? So, except for Clay. So Clay, Clay jumped in. When he actually jumped in, it was 41 degrees outside and the pool was freezing. And then we didn't think we would still be shooting when summer came around, but we were. So we were able to shoot him swimming up to the edge during the summer. So, so yeah, in that scene, he's jumping in the pool in December and then Holy swimming shit. over in June. But, oh, my God. And then, and then we were able to let Nancy get in the water. Right, right, right. Quickly. Okay, yeah. And just I, I had abandoned that from the script because I had to rewrite in the original script. They're all in the water and there's all this dialogue about not getting their hair wet and <laughs> they're on rafts and floaties. And then because of the temperature, I, every day I would, you know, check, check the pool as if it would suddenly warm up and then I'd rewrite that, rewrite those day scenes and move everyone to, to a table or a chair. And then finally, since summer came around, we let, we had we shot the one scene with Nancy and then found out that she didn't know how to swim. Oh like wow. If, if you watch it if you for some reason watch it again, you can kind of see how awkward her her swimming is. 
she she didn't tell us until that day that she was not a not a strong swimmer. That's great. But yeah, maybe oh there'll God. be people in the pool in the sequel, but maybe not. Maybe that's my thing. It's great. I don't <laughs> like know. Maybe that's, that's that's gonna forever be my my thing. <laughs> He's making these movies about pools, and like no one gets in the pool. <laughs> yeah, or just keep making movies with titles that are, are complete lies. <laughs> yeah. That's good to me. All right. Uh, everyone, go to poolpartymassacre.com. You know what to do. Grab grab the flick. Um, th- this gets the Screamcast, like, you know, 100% recommendation. Like, grab this shit. And uh, we want Drew to make more movies, for sure. Yeah, I, dude, I appreciate that. Yeah, if you, <laughs> if you have $20 to spare and you happen to like 80s slasher films and you're looking for one, Please go buy a copy. If you don't like it, I will write you a handwritten apology letter and mail it to you. <laughs> with, my, I'll even pay for the postage. Nice. That's almost even worth it. There you go. Handwritten apology. All right, um, gentlemen. Let's let's dive into the next two segments really quick, and then we'll uh, we'll uh, call it a call it a show. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Sound good. I am on board. Segments. All right. Uh, next up, let's jump into some stream screams. Nate, wake up! There's something very important I forgot to tell you. Don't fucking scream at me! You scream, I'll break your neck. <laughs> Don't scream, miss. Don't scream. We're talking about the uh, the film Valentine mm. from 2001. This is a this is a '90s slasher that came out in 2001. I kept thinking that this was a straight up like right after Scream or something like 1990. I don't know, six or seven. I don't even know when Scream came out. He loves me. Why is it that the one day of the year he loves me not? Everyone is afraid to be alone. He loves me. Is Valentine's Day? He loves me not. He loves me. Hello? Valentine. Does someone want to be my Valentine? But, uh, starring Denise Richards. Oh my god, what is Yeah. That? What, what, what did you just do? That was awful. Whatever that was, that was awful. <laughs> that was kind of uh, like a predator noise. Yeah, a little bit weird. Apologize. <laughs> I can, like I can do a Wookiee. <laughs> that, how's that? that? exactly the same. <laughs> uh, Denise Richards and uh, Catherine uh, Heigl's in, in this. And uh, she should she should have stuck to uh, slashers. But um, anyway, Valentine... Brad, you made oh, me watch this. This is really, Why? really fucking good right now. Why did you make me watch you're this? Re- <laughs> you're really talking people into it. All right, you're done. Um, you, you, you have talked about this for quite some time, and you finally found a way to mu- make me watch this goddamn thing. Yeah, um, I still stand by the '90s and early 2000s horror film. I think stuff from 1998 to about 2002. Um, there was a wave of horror films, um, that were good, uh, right after the whole scream thing. Um, and I, I, I think, 
there's a lot of films that were trying to change horror. Um, there was a lot of films just trying to do new things. Um, and then some of them just stuck to their roots. But I think they were faulted, uh, no matter what, just like, We've had this conversation numerous times on the show, and just to quickly skim over it, is that if Valentine came out in 1986, we would be talking about how Scream Factory or Vinegar Simpson needs to release it. It's in the same vein of 80, every 80 slasher that, that you've seen. It has, you know, huge elements of, um, of course, My Bloody Valentine. It has huge, huge elements from like Terror Train. Um, I mean, it's total 80s, like just slap, not slapstick. I guess more or less like schlocky. Um, slocky shit that just happens. I mean, we have a kid, young, uh, who's going around asking young girls to dance at a, um, a high or middle school dance. Um, he is the dork known as Jeremy Melton. Everybody turns him down. Um, and then years later, um, as everybody's grown up, they start to die. Um, um, but I mean, everything, step by step, even the cliches, uh, I mean, this is totally, um, an 80s slasher. And I, I just think this film got shit on so goddamn much. And it's fucking really good. Like, for, I mean, I'm talking about in vain of 80s slashers. And I, no, I, I, it's actually, dude. I had a lot. I really, really had some fun with this. It's flick. it's a like, lot of fun. Like legit. There's no difference between this and every 80s slasher. And let's come. Now. And now, since we're the reason why we picked this film was because Drew's on the show because <laughs> we wanted to pick slashers. So, Drew, what do you say? So, first of all, somehow this movie just. I avoided this movie or it was <laughs> was like under my radar when it came out. So I didn't see it until recently when people, I think it was last Valentine's day, which I'm sure gets brought up every Valentine's day when suddenly it was like, I, you know, every Valentine's day, people bring this movie up. I should probably check it out. And it, and it's everything you just said. It really, if it was made in the eighties, it would be considered, it'd be considered a classic. A classic yeah. Easily. But it's just so 90s that... It's a soundtrack. It's a soundtrack <laughs> that separates We have fucking yeah, Static X. All I static do. X and Orgy <laughs> on the soundtrack. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's laughable now. It's like fucking playing Crazy Town or something at a party. You're like, what the fuck are we doing? You know? Um, it's that nine. You know, that late, late 90s, uh, early 90s... 90s like- Cross club scene, crossover '90s industrial music that yeah. that came out, and um, that's what was hot at the time. It was to sell soundtracks, but it was a bit the film. But man, like I want somebody, like I want uh, Steve Moore from Zombie to take this movie and rescore it, and I bet you it com- changes <laughs> it a lot. Oh yeah. So I mean, that's I think that's the main issue. I mean, other than um, the, the the score actually sounds very reminiscent. Like, uh, as take the, you know, of course the soundtrack, the songs that play in the film, but just take the score in general. Um, I, it's very reminiscent to Scream, which is not done by, um, uh, who's the composer of Scream? 
Um, it's not the I same guy, know. but it's very, very, uh, it's not Graham Ravel, is it? No, Graham Ravel didn't do Scream. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. <laughs> I heard you typing. the wrong guy. I heard, I heard someone typing. Um, well, uh, music by Don Davis. Don Davis did Valentine. Um, I'm trying to see what else he did. As far as a I mean, composer he's, he's, goes. He's, a, he's a somewhat of a he's well-known a lot. composer. Uh, the Matrix composer. Reloaded, Animatrix, yeah, uh, um, Jurassic Park 3. Um, but anyways. House on Haunted Hill. Okay, okay. This, this movie's not about fucking Don Davis. Um, but it's, <laughs> Sequest 2032. But, but the score is very reminiscent to kind of the score in Scream. Um, but I really think what really takes everybody out is when like they're at the club scene and fucking Static X is mm-hmm. playing and you're like wait yeah I hate this fucking song like why is this playing <laughs> um but yeah I I mean honestly but it's 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 I mean even the plot of but the kills the kills are fucking cool I mean the whole setup to the film is really neat you know um it, I mean it has I just, everything I just need to ask I just need to ask and and I don't know if I okay. And this is like one of the beginning, the first, uh, parts of the film where, uh, we're past the 1988 shit. We're into mo- quote unquote modern times, right? And the girl's a, she works in a hospital or a morgue or something like that. She's becoming a doctor, surgeon or something. She's become, okay. So obviously someone's in the room with her. There's a cadaver on the table. Uh, she oh, gets ready to do a surgical thing up, and she man. notices the cadaver moves and then we realize the killer's in the room with her. Did the killer strip down naked and lay on the table just to <laughs> yeah. scare her? And yeah. then within like 15 seconds, put his clothes on, including a trench coat, black pants and some boots and yeah. a mask? Yeah. Like within, did the, like seriously? Yeah. Hey, That's you, my you, one problem. You want also what happens? Michael Myers gets shot in the fucking face <laughs> in Halloween 2, but that bitch still fucking rides and slashes. Jason is brought back through a fucking po- like a uh, pole in his fucking chest and gets resurrected through a <laughs> lightning bolt. And the bitch goes to hell and space. This is totally a lot more believable than any of that shit that we love and we cherish. But that's the thing. It's done in two. Pretty. It's done in two thousand. Like it's one of those things where you know. Pretty convoluted. No, no, it's not. (laughs) It's not because I tell you what, man. Like I said, if this happened in the eighties, you would never ask that question because we had so much other crazier shit. Happen in the 80s that you don't have to give your suspension disbelief for something like that. Yeah. The only question I have is that why was his stomach blue? Yes. <laughs> you uh, know? The lighting? No, it's fucking a cadaver. It was cold. You know? Um, but honestly, man, I mean, we have Michael Myers get shot in the fucking face and burned. You know, Donald Pleasance is in an explosion, and all he comes back is with a little scar <laughs> on his face and a limp. We cherish Halloween. Yeah, yeah. I love Halloween. I love Friday the 13th. I love all of that. So when shit like that happens in Valentine, I don't even fucking raise a brow. It's like, all right. You know, it's just a he, gag. Here's what I love, though, and what really did creep me out uh, was the mask with a combination of the nosebleed. Like, 
I, I, when I was younger and living in, I lived in, I'm in Southern California now, but I, but I used to live in Iowa. And when we moved to the Midwest, all of a sudden every winter, because it would get so dry and cold, I would get nosebleeds and it would happen like during school. So like, I'm terrified, kind of how like I'm terrified of like, I have nightmares of like my teeth falling out. I have, you know, the nosebleed thing is another thing that really creeps me out. So the combination of that was like, with that baby mask um, was just so like such a fantastic Cupid. and creepy image. I'm it's Cupid, right? Yeah. yeah it's Cupid mask. I'm, I'm surprised that that hasn't reached levels of say like the Michael Myers or cause there's some pretty amazing imagery there. I, I mean, I would love to see a poster, you know, with that mask and the nosebleed that that would be fucking amazing. You know, like, this movie has some visually iconic moments in it, and I and as much shit as it gets, I mean, I, I've I, every like like you guys have said, I see people talking about this movie every now and then, and Brad, you've championed it, and I've always kind of blew it off because so many other people blow it off, but uh, there are like there's some fantastic slasher moments in this, even in that beginning scene that I was just describing. The way I mean, I love. When so a killer has like a knife and they just violently are are just stabbing that knife down. There's something about that. Uh, I mean, dark like we just talked about Dark Waters last week. There's a scene where the killer just just stabbing down with his knife. I know that it happens in the Halloween remakes as well, but like there's something like just visceral Fucking gunshots. Rob Zombie added gunshots that. after that shit. It sounded like no oh, shit, but but I mean there's just something visceral about that imagery that I feel like Valentine gets, and I mean it's entertaining, you know. Uh, I don't know, and Denise Richards is in it, and she gets into a but bikini. But I tell you what, man, <laughs> I, I tell you what, though, is one thing that I always loved about Valentine that one ups a lot of slashers. <laughs> Is um, kind of the the non cliche killings that happen, um, and I get kind of get a tiny bit spoilery here. Um, but in the just be- a bit in the beginning, though, when he's going through the body bags, how many mm. movies have we seen where the person is underneath the thing and then pushes it out and runs? Like where where the actual victim is. And when it's revealed, you're like, holy shit, that was like, that's unexpected to me. Like, I expect that person to be underneath one of the tables hiding and or hits the killer last second before, you know, it opens up the body bag. Like, there's so many different cliche things that could have happened with that, with what actually did happen. That was shocking. I mean, and also for the killer to kill in, uh, you know, a populated area, um, you know, a nice, hey, not a pool, but there was a spa with a little bit of Slumber Party Massacre in there. Yeah, uh, there was. Yeah. Um, so, Dude, that was, that scene, that scene But again, ridiculous. what you think is going to happen, it does change a little bit. You kind of don't expect that. And that, that's what I've always really liked about Valentine. And it, you know, uh, and I, man, I gotta give my pat, pat myself on the back. Because even <laughs> Edge of the Axe, how this, these movies are set up as far as like what happens, it's like, holy fucking shit, you know? 
Like it has that, you know, I, I can't reference another movie because that kind of gives it away. We'll say it off oh. the air. Oh, but, oh, um, oh. you know, it, it has that mentality to try. I mean, this movie really does try to surprise you and keep you guessing. And a lot yeah. of 90s movies, 2000s movies, stuff that's coming out today doesn't do that. Yeah, no, it's definitely a fun slasher, and I definitely think it's unfairly shat upon. Yeah. Oh, totally. I, it is. Uh, it, it, it's it infuriates HD. me. It infuriates me to no end because, like, I understand people's beef with certain, you know, certain horror films. Um, but it's like this one's just completely like they just look over. I mean, Jamie Blanks, the director of this film, made Urban Legend, which I thought at the time was really great. Um, it doesn't hold up all that well. Um, it's on my rewatch list. But it has a really, it has a really good setup. It has a cool plot device. Um, it's just certain things about the film kind of, um, just don't hold up. But it's still a, a, a good film. And he made Valentine. And then another slasher that he did in like 2003 or 2007, maybe. I can't remember, but it's called Storm Warning. And that's really fucking good. Um, so I, I mean, it looks to me like Jamie and fucking Urban Legend was an eighty slasher, like begging to be begging to be an eighty slasher. I mean, the setup to that film, the dialogue, the reveal, everything about that film is just screaming eighties. I think Jamie Blanks just did not. He was born in the wrong fucking decade. <laughs> I mean, if this dude was fucking making movies in the fucking seventies and eighties. I, I don't want to sound like a – I know I'm going to get, like, a lot of tweets after I say this, but I would say that he would be up there with some of the greats because mm. he would have had more movies. He would have had yeah, more movies. But, he would have had a bigger career. Yeah. I mean, it looks like he's doing some scoring, you know, music and stuff like that now. But Right. No, I, I, I think I think he really did have it. I, I think he had what 80s slashers were – you know, the whole thing was built on. I think he had that, and he applied that to the 90s. Movies were semi-successful because that was the Scream craze. You know, mm. I think he saw Scream and was like, hey, this is what I've always wanted to fucking do. And, you know, he made it. I think he just went about it wrong. He should have shot it with his friends, pressed his own disc, released yeah. it, you know, been on our show. Yeah, he could have been on your show. <laughs> so, no, like, like I said, Val- Valentine is uh, is streaming in HD. I think you can rent it from most uh, digital rental outlets. We I watched it on Vudu for a few bucks. You can buy it in HD. And no, I I I I'm I'm full. You know, Brad. Like I'm surprised I'm uh, liking shit that you've uh, recommended. I mean, because it's not fucking Bay 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 formers. <laughs> I know, but uh, no, Valentine definitely. I think uh, if definitely worth your time if if you want to watch the slasher, you haven't. True. Any like, any uh, words it, on uh, Valentine? Any no, final I, words, sir? I just actually because I rewatched it for you. I rewatched oh. it for you. Mm. Um, I, I liked I'm it even more. Yeah, I, I liked it even with that Catherine Hyde, the opening scene with the body bags just reminded me how great it was. Yeah. And it wasn't and it wasn't cliche. Like you were saying, you expect someone to be underneath. In my mind, you expect them to get away whenever there's a killer 
kicking in all the bathroom stalls or whatever it is, looking for the person. Exactly, yeah. It always ends with the person getting away. And in this one, I don't know if that's a spoiler, but no, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah, the beginning it, of the it, movie, but it fucking it goes against the cliches, and it's really surprising. Yeah, and it and and he created really good tension in in this with you know when the killer was stalking his victims and stuff. I, I was impressed. Yeah, and I like the Denise Richards death scene in the hot tub. It's, and it's I, fantastic. I don't, I don't know exactly why. I, I there's just something funny about the like ah fuck it, I'll just throw the drill. In. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it's a, it's a fucking great. I, where moment. the hell did he get that drill? It, it it's it's so funny. It reminded me. It, I thought about pool party massacre during that scene. I was like, "Where did that drill come from?" Well, well it's just... near it's near the basement. Well, because... I was just okay, thinking right. about. I thought about pool party massacre because I thought, how long did he get an extension cord to? <laughs> There's some logistics you need, you need you need to think about when you're using power tools to kill someone. Oh, definitely, definitely, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but but I appreciate it. Uh, fantastic so All right. watch the, um, ex, you know I think Valentine's extremely underrated so you need to need to watch it if you like slasher films man is there do you know if is there a, a version with some special features um just the DVD it was never never made yeah. it on Blu-ray no oh, okay yeah it looks pretty damn good man uh in HD uh, streaming at least like uh, uh it looked really really good there's some there's some really cool like like I said, soundtrack aside, like there's some cool like cinematography in it, and uh, I can't talk cinematography. I bl- I'm blaming the bourbon right now. Uh, some good cinematography in it, and uh, it, it's it's you know it's, it's worth checking out for sure. Yeah, the only thing right. I, I I do know about the film is that there was a a very very hard like. X rating or not X rating, a very hard R rating for the film hmm. that was very like kind of hyper violent. Um, that um, Jamie Blank said on the commentary, um, but that has never been uh, seen in lighter day. So, huh. see, I think it would benefit from more of a, an edge to it because yeah. I kept thinking it was PG 13. Hey, and it's shot on I, I fucking 35 too, man. No, it looks good. Yeah, and it looks good. That needs a fucking you know restoration. I think not a restoration, but a scan. Yeah. I think uh, you know you don't. And I, I like the thing is all these fucking movies are showing. It's something I would do. I'd track down a fucking print of Valentine. But that shit looks badass on screen because it looks. It's a pretty movie too. You know, it's very colorful. Yeah. You know, it plays off the reds and stuff like that. Uh, you know, plays off the seasonal holiday. I think it's good, man. I just don't understand yeah. the hate for it. Lots of turtlenecks. <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn turtlenecks. All right, moving right along, you guys. Uh, let's jump into VHS. Oh, my God. Wow. Did you have a vinegar stroke? <laughs> vinegar stroke just happened. The key. Well, here we are at last. Right where we ought to be. Oh my god! Uh, this is a 1988 film called Edge of the Axe. Made for TV, by the way. Six women, one man, all dead. Edge of the Axe. 
Gerald's a cool kid with a keen computer. Now that he's met Lillian, the lines of communication are definitely open. It's called Icarus. You can ask it anything you like. But the readout spells trouble. Wait a minute, what happened here? And murder is the mode. What shape is that body? Hamburger meat. A killer is loose and the whole town's on edge. Edge of the axe. Gerald, why do you have the names of all the women who were killed in your computer file? Who's Charlie? He's my cousin. The other night I asked my computer to check the hospitals to find my cousin. And they released him from a mental hospital two years ago in Patterson. You know, you're going to get in trouble and you're going to have microchips for brains. The situation is terminal. Can Lillian deprogram the killer before he catches his next victim? Edge of the Axe. It's a great night for bad dreams. Lever TV by Jose Ramon Larraz. Wow. That as was, that was really Joseph good. Bronstein. That was really good. I'm very impressed. Now, I- I, Brad, I was unable to track this down through my various means. This is a VHS flick, as a, of course, as the segment describes. This is a VHS, oh my god. Films that are on VHS, stuck on a VHS, that need to be resurrected. And Edge of the Axe, like, I love the title. And I watched well, the trailer, and it looks right up my alley. Brad, did you see that, I'm turning did, this over did you to you. See that gift that I sent you? Yeah, dude. That fucking shit's brutal as fuck. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Drew, did you end up seeing this? I I didn't. Unfortunately, I did watch the trailer several times. Got really excited about it, yeah. and then also was unable. Yeah. Unfortunately, this movie. I'm is shocked. Very very that, rare. I'm shocked that this isn't even like on YouTube. Like normally, like films like this, you can at least find. Yeah, some some horrible VHS rip on YouTube, but it's not even there. So obviously, it it tells me that some studio owns some major studio must own the rights to this. No, it's a foreign foreign or, film. It's, or it's, no one fucking knows about this. Um, I would go more or less that it got lost in rights because it was, um, you know, a Spanish uh, production. It was right, a made Brad, for TV I'm, I'm, made for TV movie. So if Turning anybody you to sell um, me on edge of the axe for our hardcore, uh, very hardcore, uh, film fans. Um, if you remember, um, 1970s, there is a, f- a couple films, a symptoms, which was released from Mondo Macabro on Blu-ray recently last year and, uh, vampires. Um, both of those films are directed by this dude. Um, you know, Joseph, uh, um, also did a movie called, uh, Black Candles that was pretty popular. Um, and mm. what I call the iconic, uh, kind of monster movie called Rest in Pieces as well, which is another hard to find, uh, flick. But, um, in the late 80s, um, Joseph Loraz did Edge of the Axe. It was originally a made for TV Spanish film. Um, that made its way over here on VHS only, uh, has never seen a light of day other than that. Um, 
And I think it was one of those things that got quickly uh, dismissed because of the white face on the front, where it was just another Jason or Michael Myers film. Um, but Edge of the Axe has a lot of things going for it. Uh, number one, which what we've I've kind of hinted at was. Um, the kind of the surprise uh, with with as far as the reveal of the killer and how everything uh, pans out in the film um it takes it, it's it's definitely way before its time i feel um there's even chat between computers with two people uh one is one house one is the other and they're just instant messaging uh on their computer and the computer talks to them which is very, very weird. It's not like science sci-fi at all. It's just a, a very odd um, thing of the film. Um, but, I mean, we open up with just this woman in a car um, car wash, and just right in broad daylight, we have our killer with the white mask, and the axe just smash the front window and just axe this woman to death. Um, the... the um, the kill scenes are sometimes very violent. I mean, when you have an axe bringing it down on somebody, like, they're, I mean, that could, I mean, it could go one or two ways. You could shy away from the axe uh, into the person and do one swipe like most horror films do. Or you could have what this guy does where he just fucking keeps hitting you. Uh, with it. Um, there's a sequence, which was the gif I sent you, where he traps somebody in a house and the woman basically comes to a dead end and he hits her like once in the back and then she turns around and tries to stop the axe and then he hits her in her arms and then her like wrists break and then he just keeps like going and he's hitting her in her shoulders and then she falls down and he keeps hitting her in her back. It's a really fucking violent scene, you know? It's How it's, is this made for TV then? It's fucking, it's foreign. I mean, it's not shown on fucking ABC. <laughs> like this is a foreign cinema man and the ratings don't apply the same you know they didn't have you crazy spanish people so um but i mean as far as like that it's it's not you know it's still in english uh it was just that spanish production you know made huh. made for spain at the time and that wasn't released theatrically over here got one vhs release from a small sub label that doesn't you know wasn't really well known and just kind of, uh, and it's just disappeared since then. And it's a shame because, I mean, it really does have a lot of things going for it. I mean, it has a really great killer. It has some very intense scenes. Um, you know, it, it has, uh, it had, does have this one little musical breakdown that I love. It's these two, two guys that are in, and no, it's not like a musical, like song and dance or anything, but it's these two guys in a truck. <laughs> and, uh, he's like, he's like, Hey man, you know that girl Maria? He's like, yeah, yeah, she's a, you know, she's a fine fox. And he's like, I got a song for her. And he's like, what is it? He's like, Maria, Maria, you so sweeter. I want to play with your titas. And I just, I fucking crack <laughs> up. It's just so goofy. Um, but it has the charm to it too, because it has some really like, I mean, quote unquote in the air, well developed characters for a slasher film. Um, and another thing, you don't hate anybody. You don't have a group of kids that you really despise, that you don't care whether they live or die. You really do just have a maniac on the loose that's chopping up people and they're trying to find out who it is. Um, so, I mean, 
it, it like I said, all those elements in play, it's a fucking decent slasher. You know, uh, it's not boring at all. Um, it keeps its pace, uh, pretty, pretty, I, I, it keeps trucking, you know, it, it keeps you entertained. There's no really downtime. And when the killer shows up, you're kind of like, oh, fuck, you know, we're going to see something crazy fucking brutal again. Um, and a lot of f- horror films don't keep that. I mean, we have like our kill in the beginning and then an hour break and mm-hmm. then kills at the end or kills so sporadic we kind of forget it's, a slasher sometimes. So I think all, you know, and plus from the guy's filmography, I mean, take black candles alone, the cinematography from that. Um, I mean, and of course vampires, um, Mm -hmm. you know, very hypersexual, like, uh, you know, vampire flick, very erotic, um, and symptoms, which is super weird. Um, and there's a couple of other films that I've seen that I, I can't re- really recall the titles of right now. Um, but I mean, he's a decent filmmaker. This is towards yeah. the end of his career, but, uh, you know, it wasn't like one last raw or he was, uh, getting close to being done. He just started making some, you know, horror films because of the market. Obviously he was able to dish out a few more, um, after the seventies and, early early 80s uh made a couple before he was done and he achieved it and it's just a shame yeah. that both of those rest in even black candles i know black candles got a blu-ray release um earlier last year um or yeah, later last year red. yeah um but um all oh, we need to talk about that too thank you for mentioning code red um i, I, so, I need to buy that yeah it's really good and then he had rest yeah. in pieces which is uh, kind of hard to find, but yeah. Oh, if you can track down a VHS copy of uh, Edge of the Axe, it's literally nowhere to be found out there, even on the interwebs. It's crazy. So yeah, when you start, there's uh, one on Amazon. What is it going for? <laughs> Fifty bucks. Yeah, it's Damn. pretty rare. That's what I'm saying. It's it's not a very well known movie. It's uh, you know, and it's on a it's on a VHS label. I can't remember what it is, but it's not well known at all. Hmm. So, um, no, yeah. What I want to ask you before we close this out, Brad, is like, is this because generally slashers are following a bunch of teens in a cabin or in a in a location? Is this have the teen element or is this different? No, it's it has kind of a forum home video. I don't know who the fuck that was, um, but um, it has it has a couple. It does kind of do farm like Friday the 13th aspect. I mean, that's kind of what, you know, it has the, even the cover looks like a fucking Friday the 13th ripoff, which mm-hmm. obviously that's what the company was going for. Um, there is a shot very close to that in the film, but I mean, it does have those elements. It does take place in a uh, kind of rural country. Um, and with barns and farmhouses and stuff, but it's not, when you watch it, you're not like, oh, this is definitely Friday the 13th. You just kind of, it, it doesn't really, it doesn't utilize the location. It's just where the characters are. Okay. You know, nice. like in fucking nice. Friday the 13th, that you know they're in cabins because they talk yeah. about cabins. You know, yeah. they're in the cabins that look like cabins. These are just like homes and farmhouses and shit. All right. So, Very cool. But you're going to ask me in the beginning, how I saw this movie. I originally rented this. Um, I don't know how far Albertsons went as far as a chain. 
Um, did you have any Albertsons? Yeah, we got we, well, we have Albertsons out here. Okay, yeah. Albertsons used to rent videos and tapes. Used to, yes, yeah, way back when, and there was a location in Winter Haven, um, you know, where I used to live in Florida. Um, still live in Florida, but just not in Winter Haven. Um, they uh, they had this on the shelf, and when they went out of started going out of business, as far as like tapes and stuff, we don't have Albertsons around here anymore. They all went out. But they started getting doing away with their rentals. That's how I picked this up. So oh, I've, nice. I've had the tape for shit, man. Like uh, probably twenty years. Well, we need to we need to somehow start demanding uh, this film at least a DVD release or something. Because I mean, the director, like I said, I mean he has a fucking track record. Yeah. Symptoms, vampires, black candles. I mean, that's nothing to. It's nothing to ignore, so it'd be nice if this was more accessible. So, yeah, if you're listening, uh, start asking all of the labels, everyone, uh, if they've heard of this movie and if they're gonna be, gonna be releasing it. No, and at least get a uh, get, at least get some visibility on it for sure. Yep, that's not happening. I mean, who knows? They, it, the the master could be lost, but at least we at least we can get some people to start looking. And for it. that's kind of what I've came up with. So that's the yeah. bad part. And there's being mm-hmm. it's uh, wasn't distributed uh, theatrically. There's no yeah. thirty. There's no prints of it either. Um, there were apparently what I've read is that there were um, prints distributed in Spain. But um, there were very, very few. Um, mm. Like I said, it was a made-for-TV movie. Um, so the master might exist, but from what I've uh, tried to discover, it's uh, it's not around. Unfortunately, the director is uh, is dead. Um, yeah, he passed away in 2013. But um, I did... Uh, speak briefly to Pete Tomes, Pete Tomes, sorry, um, mm-hmm. about it. And, um, the rights, the rights aren't an issue. It's mainly just the print. Gotcha. So, because I believe, um, with further research, these things are in public domain. Yeah. So, well, we'll keep our fingers crossed for sure. Yeah. I'd love to see it. Yeah, I'm without dude. without having to fly to Florida, I know, huh? Wait, wait, wait on that's it. that's to... how I'm, that's how I'm trying to get you here. This is <laughs> all, right. all right. So the real reveal's been done. I really want oh, you to watch it. this movie with me, Drew. <laughs> well, let's talk off. The <laughs> <laughs> I have some. I have a list of demands that I've prepared. Okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll let I'll let you guys sort that out. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I think it's going to do it for this week's episode, Drew. Man. Thank you for hanging out and uh, bullshitting with us. Thanks for uh, shedding some light on Pool Party Massacre. Oh, thank you. Oh, wait, oh. I forgot the. Oh shit! What's up? All right, so I didn't send this to you, Sean, but I sent this to Drew. So I posted because we wrote a small little thing about Pool Party Massacre on mm-hmm. our website. Well, I posted it mm-hmm. on the Code Red forum, and oh, okay, uh, Bill yeah. Olson <laughs> replied to it. And, uh, this is his, uh, this is him speaking, um, or t- typing, uh, cover isn't really good, question mark, digital movie, question mark, question mark, question mark. 
<laughs> Cover really isn't good, Drew. Is it? Is it good? Uh, I, well, well I, I I feel like he was at, he was asking me if it was good because there's a question mark. Yeah. So and the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The cover's fucking awesome. Are you kidding me? It's a it's a lady with this girl in a bikini with a skull face and two eyes in her fucking martini. Come on. But is the cover really isn't good? <laughs> God, dude, Bill cracks me up, dude. He's so crazy. Yeah, when you uh, sent that to me, I, I I laughed out loud when when I saw that. Oh shit, I love it. Amazing. All right, awesome. Uh, so, Drew, what do you what do you what do you have? Uh, what do you have? What are you scheming up next? Are you scheming anything up, or are you just trying to recoup all the money you've lost? I, on, I mean, I'm certainly <laughs> with <laughs> just in case my wife is listening. I'm definitely focusing on recouping all the money I've lost. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm also, yeah, I have I have another another film that I'd like to start shooting soon, and it's a kind of it's a revenge a revenge flick, revenge horror. And it'll be a similar similar budget as to Pool Party Massacre. Eleven dollars this time. You're gonna stay yes. true to what you said. I'm gonna stick to that eleven dollars for sure. And so I'd love to start shooting that soon. I'm writing the sequel to Pool Party Massacre, but really, self distributing is a full time job. I've found yeah. out. And so you know, and plus with all the PR and trying to keep up with social media, I mean, I, I try to respond to every single post and an email and you know i'm so grateful if somebody actually purchases the movie or even watches the movie with a friend or anything that i i want to make sure that i thank everyone and that's not not easy to do so it's been monopolizing all my time <laughs> very nice well uh like we've said throughout the episode of uh Sucking Drew's dick here. Uh, we're just gonna call it Screamcast 135, uh, Sucking Drew's dick. Isn't it the, the no, title? man. I, I think, think it's like, you know. No, I think I, need to come up with seriously. something more clever. Like, I, I, no, I, I will. Job. Oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> slumber, slumber Party Massacre or Pool Party Massacre. Total, Total bank, bank job. job. Dude, sequel. <laughs> no, that's it. That's sequel it. Subtitle. That's gonna be the title. Oh, the, actually, it's funny. I've been trying to come up with one. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the and it. there's a piece there's a piece of paper in front of me on my desk and the only thing I've written down in this whole two hours is total bang jobs <laughs> three exclamation points so it's apparently on. it's it's stuck all right we just, well we just found it listeners <laughs> listeners of the screamcast uh, you have a job to do you have a job to do right now is go to poolpartymasker.com. Buy Pool Party Massacre and convince everyone else to buy this thing as well. I think uh, I think I can, in full confidence, say that you guys will have a blast with this and uh, definitely support indie horror. Um, and you know, I, I it's, it's always like I've said before, it's always refreshing when an indie horror movie turns out to be just something that I adore and uh pool party massacre is one of them so drew thank you for spending time with us and uh, and and again you know talking with us about about the flick thank you thanks for having me on and i'm, I'm glad you guys liked it i didn't know i honestly had no idea if anyone would like it <laughs> but me 
And then I turned out that I don't even like it that much. So <laughs> then I got really worried, <laughs> but <laughs> I just can't watch. I can't watch it anymore. Oh, man, you're, think, you've watched yeah. it. You've probably watched it so many times. It's just, it's done. I mean, yeah, exactly. Brad and I have so, a hard enough time listening back to our own podcast. I couldn't even imagine making a movie. Yeah, exactly. So I, I <laughs> you know, I, I got discouraged right before the release, but I, I'm glad that it's fa- it's found a little bit of an audience, and there's some people out there that get it and yeah. get get what I was trying to do, and see that some of the flaws were intentional. <laughs> not all of them. I'm not going to lie, but uh, <laughs> but some oh, of man. them, some of them were, and it's hopefully people. No. In, enjoy it i think you have something something to be proud of man really seriously as a fan of horror as a fan of fun 80s horror like you have something you you definitely should be proud of here and uh you know i'm i'm so pumped i got to i'm I'm glad i i'm glad i loved it i'm glad i had that you know was able to watch it and love it so all right uh oh shit i gotta thank all our sponsors right oh shit yeah because that's you know well we've Hey, we've given GrindhouseVideo.com some massive promotion today. I mean, Drew exclusively buys his movies from GrindhouseVideo.com. True so you should too. Shop where the cool people shop. And I think you can purchase uh, Pool Party Master from Grindhouse Video, right? Totally. Yeah. Hey, and th- if you go into the store, they rent movies out now. Holy shit. Crazy. Insanity. He's insane. Uh, next up, uh, Coffee Shop of Horrors. If you go to coffeeshopofhorrors.com, grab your favorite bag of coffee. Um, Thank you, Coffee Shop of Horrors, for giving us millions. <laughs> I, I just, I love their coffee. And, You're not getting paid millions? Uh, I am. Oh, you are? God damn it. Yeah. Use the code SCREAMCAST to get 10%. Off your order. Uh, damn good coffee. A lot of fun. I love, uh, to, you know, I, like for me, call me shallow packaging. And hey, shallow Sean. Go a long way. And their designs and, and their coffees, the designs are fantastic. Really fun. The names are really fun, but the coffee and I should know because I'm a maniac. I love some coffee. The coffee's damn good. So check them out. Coffee shop of horrors.com. Thank you to Wolfman of Mars for providing the music for the show, and thank you for Kevin to Kevin Spencer for providing our visual look. Uh, Inkspatters.com is dead, but we will let you know once his new website rises from the depths of the grave. Hell, he did just design my new logo for the AXPX I podcast. Knew by we the way, going to talk about AXPX podcast. <laughs> <laughs> And finally, big thanks uh, to Vinegar Syndrome for being a sponsor of the show. We do have a Vinegar Syndrome extravaganza coming up very soon. And stick around for more information on that. Thank you. Thank you, Vinegar Syndrome, for the billions of dollars. <laughs> and of course, you know, I've gotten this whole show, man. I haven't plugged our Patreon. Um, no new patrons this week. I'm, you know, I'm not going to be, that's right. We're depressed about that. We're not making millions or billions. I'm not going to, I'm not going to cut myself to sleep, but we do want to thank all of our patrons for donating their hard earned cash, uh, to us each month. Uh, when BJ does come back, she should have a brand new microphone. That is because of you, you guys, you provided that. 
And of course, uh, you'll provide, hopefully keep the, the money coming in will keep the show sounding great with the use of, uh, uh, our little program thing to make the show sound amazing. So, uh, check that out. Patreon.com slash scream underscore cast. We have $1, $3, $5 levels. $5 levels will get our after dark podcast, which should be coming very soon. We promise. C U M M I N G. <laughs> All right. Uh, Drew, where can people find you online? Other um, than Pool Party Massacre. Yeah, Pool Party Massacre. Um, all the. <laughs> all of these social medias uh i'm lucky enough to have a name that was available so just at drew marvick damn everywhere or at pool party feel free to follow pool party massacre too uh it's it's really spoiler it's really me posting <laughs> just so you know you have um, a, 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 little... a staff of, of of dozens no but sometimes i'll have a conversation with my personal account to give that impression <laughs> and uh you know you do what you gotta do yeah. <laughs> all right. Of course, uh, all of our social media links over at thescreamcast.com, as well as articles plugging Pool Party Massacre by Brad. Yes. We'll, we'll talk like to all of movie. you guys next. We'll talk to all of you guys next week. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. Okay, bye. Oh, don't tell me you're leaving. Party's just begun. But it's just a way to get people to buy it. Or rent it. Excuse me. Dude, it's fucking like 1 o'clock, 1.30 in the morning. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, so give me a break. Um... <laughs>